three cinephiles have come together to bring you strong opinions, controversial statements, epic battles, and plenty of fun. Introducing our host. The man who watches 52 movies a week, drinks 52 beers a movie, loves women but hates the woman. From the foreign land of Canada, our host, Mood 616. He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Origins wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican, JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cunningham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine, Jeremy. Together, they are known for extending a helping hand to Vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 107 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your black exploitation host, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, aka Moods. <laughs> Next up, we have the man who is not only of a million words, but also of a million podcasts, Double Shot J, a.k.a. JP. And last up, we have the CEO and mayor of the Hall of Fuckers, NES Ruler 22, also known as JJ, Jeremy the Jew. What's going on, guys? I just want to say right now, fuck Billy. Billy's definitely in the Hall of Fuckers because every few of the howling was the biggest piece of shit I've ever heard in my life. So fuck you, Billy. And this is coming from a guy who also sucks at reviews. Yeah, I mean, if 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 I'm saying your reviews bad, that means a lot because my reviews are fucking horrible. So yours must be really fucking bad. At least I could say more than this movie sucks and then give it a one out of ten. Which have you ever even seen a one out of ten movie, dude? The Howling is not a one out of ten movie. No, the yeah. Howling Seven is like a one out of ten, not the Howling. Yeah, I, I yeah. almost for a second felt bad for tearing him a new asshole on the on the Facebook page, but I felt it was just. I'm like, dude, you didn't even review the film. It was a two and a half minute video, and he basically gave you the length of the film, the IMDb rating. He gave you one adjective to describe the film, which was horrible, and that was it. And said he didn't recommend yeah. it. That's not a fucking review. I mean, if you're going to take the time to make a video, at least think it out decently. That was that was embarrassing. And then, man, I've never clicked on a video before and seen zero thumbs up and 17 thumbs down. On a video it's up ever. to 19 now. Holy it's fuck. up to 19 now. But it's it's just though, man, because did you see did you guys actually read some of the comments on there? Oh yeah. One of the guys was like, I'm a longtime follower of body bags, and he goes, This is a fucking disgrace. He's like, I'm out of here. I'm not watching these videos anymore. Wow. He's like, This is yeah. this is disrespectful to the body bags channel and the and the hosts and pass and whatever. And I was like, fuck. It's crazy, <laughs> dude. Pass. Yeah. It's all wow. it's all Derek's fault. Way to go, Derek. No, I'm just joking. It's not your fault, Derek. Um, so yeah, I mean I tried to not really I don't think I really commented on the post publicly because I don't know like you I was sort of feeling a little bad but I messaged you guys a little bit or at least the horror click chat and I just find it disgraceful because as you know reviewers or critics or whatever you want to call it like we put a lot of time and effort into perfecting our craft. At least I do. You know what I mean? And I, and no, I'm not the best reviewer out there. You know, not even fucking. Close. Well, with that said, I mean, every every what? one of us. Like, I mean, you look at all three of us. I mean, me, you, and Jeremy. We all have different styles of reviewing films. That mm-hmm. is, that's not even a style. 
at all. I mean, that that's literally just I don't I don't know what the fuck, man. Like I don't well, even know a, what to call it. It's offensive to the people that do put in the work because it's lazy reviewing. It's well, lazy that, critique. That's what I was trying to get to him. I was like, dude, you know, people put a lot of effort into this shit, man. If you're gonna post up on a channel that, you know, has a decent amount of followers and viewers and things like that, I mean you might want to think this through for at least five or ten minutes before you just put up a video. You can tell that he just he didn't think about it all. He's like, This is horrible. That's not yeah, a review. And, you know, I've had terrible videos in the past that I've done. Like, I mean, I, 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 I don't know if I was, I don't know if I was on the level of cool dude Jeremy, but <laughs> I definitely had some bad Hey, reviews. hey, I'm better than cool duder, okay? I at least talk about my Oh, is it cool duder now? Bad. Is it cool duder? I thought it was cool dude. <laughs> but no, seriously, like, I have come such a long way. Like, I actually think that I'm solid now mm-hmm. but like i if you look at like progression i i've gotten you know leaps and bounds ahead of where i was when i first started this stuff. yeah yeah and i'm proud of that because i didn't just get better by just only doing it but i put in work to like you know learn what things mean and like learn about film a little bit and and pay attention to things that i see and inconsistencies and stuff like that uh so next up on jp's learning list is aspect ratios (laughs) yeah i don't buy three 16.9 he's like yeah i'm the the wrong dude to ask about that jp's one time made me laugh so hard he's like yeah those are just numbers to me (laughs) 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 he burst out laughing i was like that is the funniest comment ever (laughs) um like okay he okay so 16 by 9 is uh widescreen correct yeah yes and then four what is it four by nine four by three four by three four by three that's full screen right no that's just like the square oh okay what's full screen pretty much four by three but that's essentially what it is i mean you're gonna yeah you're gonna see that with those big black bars on the right and left that's see i don't i don't know what any of that i I mean i know a little i I know a little bit but yeah i don't i don't really care to learn that much either but uh yeah so i mean we didn't even plan on talking about that horrid review but we (laughs) we ended up doing it i guess but because he's in the hall of fuckers and i also want to say another new fucker fuck austin for defending cool duders so fuck you austin Okay, that's my Hall of Fucker <laughs> intro. I, I don't even that's know what fun. that's about. <laughs> Fucking Austin Schroeder, or however the fuck you pronounce his name, defended Cool Duder by saying his videos were enjoyable, and that's not cool. No pun intended. Yeah, but you... I think I, think I said this cool on, the, on the page. You are a fan of Cool Duder. I am not a fan of Cool Duder. The you only watch reason why I clicked on it is to thumb it down. <laughs> to thumb it down oh now the Wait, truth comes like, out i'm here to thumb it down but i'm just gonna watch the 22 minute oh, while i click on it and i thumb it down and that's except it. for you tell me everything that happened but in the video even totally... though i never ask you what happened in the video you, because you he clearly it. looks at our fucking page and says shit that is directly from our page into his videos and I know he's fucking getting it from our page because we talk about it on our page. And then all of a sudden it fucking ends up in one of his videos. And that's some fucking horseshit bullshit. Really? <laughs> yes. That's great. Jeremy it. did have a little bit of evidence on this yeah. one time. So, and it was pretty. So I don't know if. Fill me in weird. on this because honestly, I, I will be true. Like, I like barely ever click on his videos. I would have never noticed this. So what did he steal? 
What he didn't uh, steal anything. He didn't steal anything. He or just fought, he, he just said something. He's like, oh, I heard. I know what it is. Friday the thirteenth. This set right here, the Friday the thirteenth part three and the Friday the thirteenth part four, uh, Warner Brothers double feature set. I was talking about when I found it at FYE, how it was hard to find it out of print. And then, oh, on his next Tuesday video, he goes into FYE and he says, oh, yeah, if you guys see the Friday the 13th Part 3 and Friday the 13th Part 4 set, you should buy that because that's pretty rare and out of print and hard to find. So I know that. Did he even say that he saw that in a group? I don't know, but I know that motherfucker fucking. So he said, he said, I seen somebody say in a group that this that and the other my question is he's in our group yeah yeah he's been in our group he's an og dude <laughs> he's been in there forever years and never posted once so just no just no. borrows the content that's you know i don't know i mean allegedly i don't know if it's what, true what? You know? I mean, that's, either, awesome. but that's not the i mean really i mean he's just you know taking our our research and making himself look good <laughs> whatever I don't know, man. I think that's pretty funny, actually. But it wouldn't Fuck be so bad, you know, if you you know post once in a while. But yeah, I don't know. And let me guess, he still didn't buy anything in that video because you know, Jeremy, you Not watched the that. whole thing. You watched no, the no, whole no, fucking no. thing, didn't you? He he says this one at least fifty times a video. Lego go, and this one is twenty nine ninety five, and this one, which is the four K, and this one is also twenty four ninety nine, and this one, which is the DVD, and this one is fourteen ninety nine. It's like how many times could you say fucking this one in one video? More it evidence. It blows my fucking mind. More evidence that Jeremy watches the entire videos because no, he's keeping a tally. It and I thumb it down. I thumb it down. <laughs> I have to thumb it down. Oh my lord! You might be the fun. only person in existence that actually admits that they thumb down things <laughs> thumb down the howling video that thing was shit <laughs> yeah I, I mean i'll thumb down something if i genuinely don't like it like i'm not opposed to thumbing down but i don't do it often i don't really watch much stuff either Only cool <laughs> my friend. <laughs> ah, good stuff good stuff so what's been going on anything new in the lives of uh the jew and jp what's going on you guys Dude, I just got slammed this week, man. We we had an inspection and it was busy the whole time, so I honestly didn't get to watch much stuff. I did watch um, a couple of things, and obviously our featured reviews, which is a little black exploitation special for the week. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was it was rough to squeeze everything in. I was dead tired when I got home. I kept falling asleep and stuff, so. Um, definitely, definitely one of the more rough weeks for actually preparing for the show. Definitely, did they find, the did, roughest I've had, honestly. Did hmm. they find the supply of used crack pipes and needles in the basement? Um, no, we found a um, a worker today found a syringe outside, though. Oh yeah, which I haven't seen one of those in a long time. So <clears throat> that's nasty. That's nasty. Jeremy, oh, what have you been up to? I haven't talked really to you. Oh uh, well, I've how been... was your break from the show? It was pretty good. I didn't have to hear your voice, so it was pretty nice. <laughs> uh, no, no, it was nice. I've been got a job for the next three weeks working on this Capri Sun commercial. Yeah, advertisement. No, um, three weeks to do a commercial. This, no, no, it's only one day, but I'm helping like prep it and driving the people around to airports and. Ooh, your favorite part of the job, isn't it? Driving. Yeah, driving. But I get to drive this nice fucking GMC fucking fully loaded truck, so it's pretty nice. 
So I've been doing that. So I'll be doing that till the end of the month. And then I got another job August 2nd to the 4th. So it's been busy, busier than fucking what I'm used to. So it's good. I fucking just bought a car. So I need need the job. Yeah. The jobs. Well, I'm still so surviving. Does, I'm still surviving. You yeah, know, what the fuck have you been doing, Moods? BC you never is, talk about your fucking job. BC is you know still under state of emergency and is still burning to shit over here. And still well, dodging I fires, mean, as you guys it, heard last it, week, but it's been fucking unless nuts you're here. Uh, able to, to predict the future, <laughs> you might want to reword that. You know, <laughs> okay, just, no. I said as you guys heard last week. Yeah, it was two weeks ago. Oh no, it would be last. It would be less. <laughs> little, well, I was little re- breaking the fourth wall here. I was referring um, to last week as in last show. Yeah, well, you actually didn't say that though. Well, you said, said BC's still under the state of emergency. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording this show two weeks before it airs, guys. <laughs> Whatever, you can just cut all that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. Fuck that. <laughs> but yeah no it's uh it's been rough here man it's been rough we're getting a little bit of rain and shit which is actually good but yeah we're still fucking i'm still dodging fires and it's been kind of hectic man it's been really hectic uh jeremy you asked me i never talk about my job because mm-hmm. i mean all i do is drive for like 12 hours a day there's not really a whole lot to tell it's, but you don't like you never say like oh i'm at work when we're talking or anything like that so i was like i don't even know when you fucking work because you never well, I mean, it is about it. weird i never noticed that he's a, like he like his old job he used to yeah talk all the time yeah yeah well with this one i just you know 12 hours a day i don't get a break at all so it's, there's probably long stretch of period where i don't know if you guys realize but i'm not i'm pretty mia so what do you do maybe that's not it um i'm a driver i'm a delivery driver so I work for what, of dildos or what? <laughs> no, I, I I drop off fucking packages at businesses. So I do like a. So you're like a mail guy, in a sense. So you went from the fucking head you're of WestJet. You no, went from I'm not a being mailman. the fucking head of baggage at WestJet to being a fucking mailman. Yeah, but I make more money doing this. Yeah, mailmans get paid. I know, good, but. <laughs> No, it, it was. You it's know, funny it was, because it was our mailman actually like sits there and like he sits there and talks to us for like fifteen minutes every day. You know, like fucking. You know what FedEx and you know UPS and yeah. all this guy. Yeah, I mean that's what I do. I drive a big ass cube fat truck, not van truck, and you know I I drop off anywhere from five to six hundred pieces a day, which is you know um, boxes essentially, and uh, one hundred fifty stops kind of thing. It's just go go go. Um, it's like a harder version Have of being a mailman. Have you been seduced by any mature women? You know, honestly, one time I thought it was happening. I was doing a resi at this lady's house. She answered the door in this pretty nice house coat. And I was, and she's like, you want to come in and sign this? I'm like, because we're actually not allowed to step in people's houses like a liability thing. And I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> it was like, it was like mo- really awkward. It was actually funny, too, because it was the first. Then you hear Jerry's voice the in the background. Mom, come back in the house. <laughs> wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, no, it's 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 a tough game. I mean, it's definitely a lot harder than my other job because I had a lot of downtime in this one. But days go by fast. So I like it. Huh. It's pretty cool. It's pretty fun shit. So. No, I, I wouldn't really say fun. It's okay. If you don't can, like to drive, not the to job podcasts? for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I'm when I'm in my in my truck, I mean, that's all I do. I listen to 
music most. Podcasts are a little tougher because I'm in and out of the truck so much. I tried to listen to it. I was like, I don't know, man. I was listening to Exploding Heads one time, and I just kept hearing Brandon say the same joke. And I was like, hey, fuck this. (laughs) Turn this shit off, man. Because I kept missing things, right? It was like, what did he just say? So, and I'm wanting to pause you. like fucking speakers in the back of your truck so when you're fucking driving like your old car your whole fucking truck is shaking yeah right (laughs) put some woofers in there but that's you know essentially the day in the life of of mr james freud so wow the first time you've ever said your first name on the show (laughs) if you if you want to call it that but yeah um (laughs) yeah not not really overly that exciting but uh yeah Hmm. let's get into Uh, some news Yeah, so uh, news this week um, is going to be pretty short, guys, because we're recording this in advance, and obviously we can't predict the future news, but um, one major happening did happen this week, and basically we launched a Patreon. <laughs> I thought you were talking about George, and you're like, some pretty big news happened this week. We launched a Patreon. Fuck no. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, by now we'll know how that went but yeah so um you guys could check that out and you know maybe maybe support us pick make jeremy watch terrible things i think jerry said he's gonna do that he's gonna make jeremy watch terrible things i think i've actually Uh, heard people say they would pay to make jeremy watch terrible things so please do (laughs) yeah please please do please do you know have have fun Um, with this have fun with this there is a awesome little perk there that allows you guys to uh pick uh, a film for each of us to watch it's like make us watch times three or something or you can give all three to jeremy or two to me and one to jeremy or whatever but the cool thing is is if you are a monthly subscriber you get that every month so every month you get to make us watch three things if you pick that uh so that's pretty cool but in all seriousness guys we did lose somebody amazing to, to today at the time of us recording this um Mr. George Romero, like it actually, like as soon as Jeremy texted me, he texted me. By the way, this wasn't it. This, this I don't know. It's serious. He texted me, not Facebook messaged me. Um, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, no way. This, I knew it was real, but at the same time, I was hoping it was fake. You know what I mean? And Mr. Romero, I didn't get to read anything about it. Did, did it announce how he died? Lung cancer. <laughs> Yeah, I was saying lung cancer, so... He was a heavy smoker. Um, So, it's very unfortunate. I just met George, like, last summer, and I was supposed to meet him again this summer, but he canceled. Uh, And I remember saying when I talked about it, when I met him, I said that he didn't look great. You know what I mean? Like he was definitely the years were catching up with him and stuff like that. And little did I know he might have been battling lung cancer. Um, it's absolutely tragic. Like this is a legend, and I, honestly, probably one of the more underrated. When you look at his filmography, like he has legit three ten out of tens. You know what I mean? With yeah. Night Day Dawn. I mean, when you really put it in, into perspective with a lot of the so-called masters of horror that we consider and the fans consider to be masters of horror, there's not a whole lot of directors out there that have that many potential 10 out of 10s in their filmography. It's crazy when you really and, put it in perspective. Yeah, it is. And he is, you know, the guy who created the zombie. Mm-hmm. Like, he, 
Night of the Living Dead made our number one most influential film of all time. So in turn, that makes George one of the most influential directors of all time. And it's, I think that, I honestly do think that um, I've come to respect his filmography a lot more. And I was mentioning this guys to you, uh, this to you guys uh, a little while ago when we were talking about doing a potential director spotlight on George, where I was like, man, I've, I've, I love this guy's films like Day of the Dead and Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. Um, and of course, like Creepshow and you got Martin and, 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 you know, even the second Dead trilogy has come a long way on me, like, and on fans. Like, I think people are actually starting to appreciate Land of the Dead as a, a, a way more, way more than they used to. And same thing goes for Die of the Dead, which I also like. Um, so I, I think that he's getting more respect with some of his other films besides the original Dead trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the world works in mysterious ways, too. I mean, you know, it was, what, two days ago Arrow announced the films between Night and Dawn box set, you know, and then two days later he passes away. It's just, it's kind of bizarre. And didn't Scream Factory, like, a week ago announce, or not a week Land ago, of the Dead. They Land, Land of the Dead recently, too, so... Um, and with those those announce, announcements, I think pretty much every film in his filmography has been on Blu-ray now, with the exception of Bruiser, I want to say. And Martin. Oh, and Martin also, yeah, so... Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's very, it, that's kind of mysterious how, you know, this big announcement happens, you know, everyone's been kind of waiting for these films and then he passes away two days later. It's sad. It's very, very sad. I think George Romero is just not only one of the best directors horror has ever, ever had. I think he's one of the most respected ones too. And he was a genuinely like an amazing person. I mean, everyone that I've ever talked to that's met him said nothing but good things about him it's you know it's not like that tom savini effect where people have had mixed you know mixed uh feelings about meeting him and stuff romero always it just didn't seem like he had a bad thing to say or a bad bone in his body which makes it even mm-hmm. harder but um you know it's it's a tough one it's a tough one i mean when you say he was head, still working until the day that he died i mean he yeah. like those of you who know where I live, like I live near Tom Savini's makeup effects school, which also has a film program that George, I believe is the head of, um, was the head of, and he was, you know, there, you know, he would do, you know, seminars and, and lectures and stuff there and, and, you know, meet with people. And not only that, but he was producing uh road of the dead, which is like, you know, was supposed to be like the next in the you know Romero zombie saga. He wasn't directing it, um, but he uh, was like being you know he was like an advisor on it and like a producer or something like that. You know, so mm-hmm. um, he continued to to uh, you know fucking care about that stuff. You know, mm-hmm. and he didn't have to at this point. He could have been like Carpenter and, you know, just send me a check, send me a check. But I guess he was more involved in that. And there's nothing wrong with that either. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, re- I respect that fully from Carpenter, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's another legend. I'm so glad that I got to meet him, honestly, because that's one of the only people I've ever met. And he was honestly like so kind, like he mm-hmm. really was. And his mm-hmm. wife was lovely, amazing person. She went out of her way to make sure that he came down and met us. Um, and 
I, I think that that's an amazing thing to do. You know, you're all, you're being bothered by people all the time, 24 seven, and you have the opportunity to avoid this meat. You know what I mean? But she's the one that suggested it. You know, mm-hmm. I knew, I noticed that her name was Romero and George was there. And, and then she's like, I was like, you mean George Romero? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm you know, a, a really big fan, honestly. And she was like, oh, well, then you have to meet him. And it's just like, oh, I have to meet him then. That's really cool, you know? <laughs> that's that's a, such a cool thing to say. And she's like, like I'll make sure um, you meet him before we leave. And, and she 100% did. Uh, so that, you know, I mean, that's just such a cool thing, you know? And that made my day, you know? And, and I still think about that day because it was so cool. It was so cool. And for somebody to be, you know, after decades of of meeting thousands of people um and hearing the same thing over and over again to still be happy to sign an autograph you know what i mean that's 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 a good dude right there and i i'm definitely saddened by this and i know that it's going to happen more you know the john carpenters of the world the toby hoopers the stephen kings like they're all up in age now and it's going to continue to happen we already are aware of this but it's still shocking every not time even, yeah it, even movie wise like, music wise i think about that all the time too like all these guys are gonna die soon and it's like it's shitty mm-hmm. yeah i think we talked all about these this. rock and roll guys this sucks i think we talked about this a few years ago even on the show and even predicting people's deaths <laughs> you know i mean it's it's really not that hard to do now i mean people are getting up in age. Yeah. It's, it's gonna happen it's all part of life but like you said it is still shocking i mean Romero's responsible for you know my favorite film of all time and it it's it's really sad it's sad but at the same time you know he he lived a great life and um, just time to celebrate his life instead of mourn his death yeah. so in my opinion and that I, I've said multiple times on this podcast you know and and in Facebook messages and groups and and on YouTube like. I find it funny when people try to discredit George because I'm just like, dude, he created motherfucking zombies, homie. Like, this guy is amazing. He is 100% a master. Mm-hmm. 100%, homie. Like, you can't come at my boy like that and say that and try to discredit his work. Like, you just can't do that. It's insane. And, you know, if anything happens when this happens, is he's more celebrated, right? Like, people are going to run out and buy that Arrow box set and it'll probably be sold out tomorrow, you know, so you better go pre-order that thing because it is limited um and you know like i'm i've never been more wanting to watch his movies than i am right now to kind of pay respects you know soak it in and and really truly appreciate these amazing films because day of the dead is is uh you know in my like top 10 favorite horror movies of all time like i i think it's a masterpiece and uh Man, I don't know, man. I well, just it's just two sucks. of his films are in my top four of all time. So it's you know, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Actually, a pretty interesting fact about George Romero. Uh, Two thousand nine, he applied for his Canadian citizenship and got it. So he's got dual. He had dual citizenship through the U.S. and mm-hmm. Canada, and he died in Toronto as a Canadian. And citizen, he lived. So. He lived in Toronto. Yeah. Um, which I've talked to him when I talked to him, he, he, I was, we were talking well, coming down to Canada. your area. He said he loved it. He it's loved super Canada. close. It's only a couple hours away from Toronto to where you yeah. are. It's only a couple hours. So, yeah. But, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we just wanted to, you know, say rest, rest in, peace. in peace, Mr. Romero. 
Thank yeah, you for all the great memories. Definitely. It's all fucking Jerry's fault. <laughs> I, I can just see the fucking low lowlifes right now. All the Romero stuff right now. eBay yeah, prices. Everyone's eBay. jacking the and, shit and out. I was, I'm not going to be shitty. I was looking at my Dawn of the Dead Blu-ray thinking about it. Going, they're going to re-release this shit now. Yeah, of I course they are. But, but I will say this. if I don't want to hear anybody say anything about all the shows that are going to be covering Romero and all the posts about Romero. I don't want to hear a single person say like, you know, enough or like, of course, you know, of course they did an episode on Romero or something like, like who cares, dude? Like let people celebrate him and, and, you know, uh, sort of, um, relive everything, you know, and, and, and enjoy his work. Like uh, there's always those people that are so goddamn, you know, annoyed at everything, and it's just like I know I hate when that ha- it happened with Wes Craven, and I was like, I remember seeing somebody say like, "Oh, you guys posted a Wes Craven show, like typical or something." And I'm like, so, "So what, dude? It, it, like, what does that matter?" Yeah, man. Of course, of, we of did. fans of I his love, work. I love that. As, yeah, as fans of his work, want to talk about. I mean, the same person. I mean, if you're willing to be posting on there, you're obviously a fan because or else you wouldn't be part of this group or whatever. So as yeah. fans, why can't we just celebrate the, the man's life by talking about a couple films? What's wrong with that? I know. I, I feel you too, man. It just, it absolutely makes no sense. It's kind yeah, of contradictory I, in a sense. For the most people, part, but. we don't have a ton of those people around us, but I just hate seeing it. So yeah, that's the, that's the lone news item this week. Very unfortunate news. All right. Yeah, it's, it is very unfortunate. It's such a, it, you know, it's one of those things that we literally learned like five minutes before we started recording tonight too. So it's, it's kind of, it kind of put a damper on things a little bit, but yeah, I know it's, it's like, it's just sad. Yeah. All right. You guys want to move into box office breakdown? No, we're not going to box office brawl, son. We're not going to, we're not going to get into that right away. We're going to get into mood swings and starting off mood swings swings, is going to be box office brawl is part of mood swings. You fucking dick face. Anyways, fuck you mood swings, DVD and Blu-ray releases for July 25th, uh, 2017. Uh, first up here, man, we got a film called awaken the shadow man. I actually laughed at this title. I don't know why. The Shadow Man, released by Gravitas Ventures. The fuck? I I, I don't really know. It, it it looks really bad. I don't. <laughs> I don't really know what to say about it. But Awaken the Shadow Man. What is that? Like a Bye Bye Man ripoff already, or something? Why would you want to rip off the Bye Bye Man? That movie fucking sucks. I don't know. Maybe because it got a theatrical release. I don't know. Uh, next up here from Severin, we've got Beyond the Darkness, the long-awaited Beyond the Darkness, finally making it to Region 1 Blu-ray. I'm sure Severin probably did this awesome Italian film justice that it deserves. Um, so, yeah, Beyond the Darkness, can't go wrong with that. Be on the lookout for that one. This one right here, I'm not 100% sure if it's a horror film or not. Uh, it's got Antonio Banderas, uh, Jonathan Reyes-Myers in it, um, and it is called Black Butterfly. I think it's more of like a... It seems like it's more of an action thriller type thing. Uh, being released by Lionsgate. But Antonio Banderas. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, here's an interesting one from Screen Factory. And I think this is one I'm actually going to be picking up myself. Slither making its way to Blu-ray. Yes. What goes in the shell isn't important. Uh, you know what? I, I like no. Slither I when it... 
when it came out, but the last time I watched it, I, I did not love it. Really? Yeah, uh, f- yeah. For you people unfamiliar with Slither, it's actually James Gunn. I think it yeah. was his first film that he directed. I'm not sure. I'd have to look at his, but it's, it's one, one of his, his first. It's ones. one of his first films, of course, who went on to direct Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy. So he made something very, very huge for himself. But yeah, I haven't seen Slither in a while. But you said, you know, upon rewatch, it wasn't holding up or. Yeah, I, I didn't think that I, I wasn't. I found it a little. I don't know. I just found the comedy kind of icky. Hmm. The second time I watched it, I haven't watched it in a long fucking time. I yeah. loved it when it came out. I don't know. I found like the whole end part like kind of weak too. I got. I honestly have to rewatch it. It's been so many years since I've seen. It, I can't quite remember. But as I'm looking at this collector's edition, the uh, the newly commissioned artwork for it, I can't help when I'm just kind of looking at the cover as a whole. The the girl that's in the bathtub, surrounded mm-hmm. by like the little creature things. It to me. When I'm using my priff and I'm just kind of looking at it, it, it looks like pieces of shit floating in the in the bathtub. <laughs> it looks I can like, see that. Looks like little dookies in there. It's fucking hilarious. But but Slither, I know it has a fan base. Uh, I know JP's excited about this one. This one actually made his top ten of 1996 uh, from Dario Argento, starring his daughter Aja Argento, the Stendhal Syndrome. I've said mm-hmm. on many occasions, I'm not the hugest fan of this film. I, I find that it drags in a lot of parts, and I just feel like it could have been tightened up and better. I know you, I'm actually quite surprised. I mean, I think a few people... It's my are, third favorite Argeno. I think it's. I think a lot of people are quite surprised at the outcome of that 96 show where me being a huge Italian fan left this off my list, and you know, and you having it on there. <laughs> so I thought that was kind yeah, of Yeah, just me and Dave, yeah. yeah. Um, I like it a lot. Uh, I was surprised thought i was getting a screener for it like i got confirmed for it but it never showed up but uh so i emailed dude and i was like hey i thought i was getting this thing. i got mine oh. and then he he said that he would resend it so hopefully i get it because I, i'm actually i'm down to check that out again yeah that's cool man that's cool um yeah stendhal syndrome three disc limited edition i believe they're limited to three thousand copies or something Something rather. Well, I know, the, like the three disc is the third disc is like is just the soundtrack, and then they blue underground. No, 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 it's not the soundtrack. It's oh. um, it's the bonus disc from two thousand and seven. Oh, is it really? Okay, well then I've so got like yeah. Wait, I already have Stenhall on Blu-ray. I forgot about that. So we got like that's already been on Blu-ray. <laughs> the features, and then we got a Blu-ray and a DVD. And, and the DVD. Yeah. Okay, because I have the special edition that Blue Underground released on DVD, so I might even have that shit. So okay. yeah, I, I, so there's is there anything there, there is new stuff because I've seen that they recorded an uh, interview and with new Aja. auto new auto audio commentary with a few people. No Argento. Then, Argento doesn't do commentaries. He doesn't speak English really well at yeah, all. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up here is one that I have not even heard of. I, I don't know. Maybe I just bypassed me, but it's got Rodari- Rod- Rosario Dawson and Catherine Heigl in it. And it's oh, no, don't talk about this. A one. film called Unforgettable, so it's unforgettable. Yeah, or forgettable. It, it, bombed. <laughs> it, it, it bombed really bad. Yeah, from like Warner super, Brothers. Yeah. Super horrible. Hmm. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. It just the cast read away. I was like, oh, I don't know about this one. It had It had an iffy production, too, from what I remember reading about it. Hmm. Uh, from Vestron, we've got the Warlock collection. <laughs> I, I, wow, that's already out. Jesus. Yeah, this one's coming on the twenty fifth. So, what's their August release? That would be nothing. I don't. They don't they do have... a release after a box set. I don't think they've announced anything. Oh man. 
So, so yeah. they probably won't be one until September then. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's good, honestly. Like, I, I just because I, I think one of the biggest problems that we found with like Scream Factory was when we were trying to collect the line was that they were just coming out too fast. And for a line that's numbered, I surely don't want that to happen. Yeah. Have you guys noticed that their price points have went down a little bit? Because the Warlock collection, I had it pre-ordered for $24, which that's a good pr- – that's a fair price. That's under $10 a title. It's like 7 something. Yeah, I think it's like double that on .ca. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm looking at the price point, $24.69. That's a pretty good deal for three films. So, um, I, Yeah. I, I'm kind of indifferent on the, on the artwork, the newly commissioned artwork for it. It's okay. It's, just it's like, okay. It it's looks that, Warlock-y. It it's definitely not that looks painful. Warlock-y. It's not that painful. Yeah. <laughs> it's just bad. Uh, but no, seriously, um, <laughs> these films to me are, uh, I love the first two. I honestly do. I really do. Like, I know I, I feel like I'm the only person, but then I'll see somebody and be like, Oh, I love Warlock. Like, like Warlock is, I love the first Warlock. Like I, I like it a lot. I like it even more than I let on in the review. So I, I'm, I'm really happy with that, but I will be a little critical of, Lionsgate, like they really, really, really need to uh, put out a, a heavy hitter here because so far they've released like well they're losing the stuff in the eight pack and then like the gate was cool. They're they're losing yeah, a lot of people's the, you attention know, the right gate now. Didn't get enough respect because that's a title that everybody wanted out for the longest time, and then when it came, like nobody was hyped. I'm surprised people weren't a little more hyped about it considering the DVD was out of print. Right. I mean, with I, I can see people's points on the Warlock collection, considering the films are not out of print and they're readily available, like pretty much all of them. Right. So from what I'm from what I'm and reading, the fact I that they're it, not that great. <laughs> I heard it's I heard it's out of print again. What is what, I heard? Warlock? The, no, the gate Festron's out of print. What? It just came out. I know. But I was reading that. Wow. Well, how is it still available? No, it's not. Oh, what? what we'll f- see. We'll see. What did they do? Like I mean, limited Lionsgate, pressing? Jesus Christ. I don't know. Lionsgate has such a big vault. You know what I mean? That yeah. it's like, it's something that I want to see. Like they, I know they have like, dude, they really need to do the Blair Witch next. Honestly, I really think they, they need to do Blair Witch one and two or one, two and three. If they want to add the newer film in there too, or even just one with or part two with the like alternate cut and like I don't know man there's so many there's so many other other films that they have too that are more I th- but uh, look at it this way eventually they have to do that stuff because they're gonna run out of the eight pack stuff and and the basics like I w- it wouldn't surprise me if they eventually do Leprechaun because they that set usually th- that's those films together usually sell like there's a thousand editions of them at this point mm-hmm. um, but. I, I'm I'm happy with the label that the price is coming down a little bit, and from what I understand, it seems like that they're just printing more in general because, like, screener wise, it was impossible to get one early on, and now it's like way more easy. Like, I just emailed dude and I was like, "Yo, you got any more of them?" And he's they're like, "Probably yeah. not selling as good as they thought they were, so maybe getting getting them out there a little bit more is probably maybe going to help them. I don't know." Maybe I, I think on. they're selling better than you would. Th- I see a lot of people with them, honestly. See, I'm curious to see how many people are actually going to pick up this Warlock collection. Because, I mean, it seems the consensus is in the communities that a lot of people aren't 
interested in picking yeah, this up. Yeah, I can't see the Warlock collection doing fantastic, honestly. I mean, like, really, I think the Wishmaster one did good. I think the, the biggest thing for the Warlock films for us is that it spawned the Hall of Pain. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's what yeah. I take. That's what I take away from the Warlock trilogy, you know. I mean, I will admit the first one's pretty fun, but after that, it's it gets pretty whatever for me for myself. But yeah, I mean, I got, I'm gonna have to pick this one. I'm probably gonna end up paying way too much money for it, but I don't know. I say gra- I say pre-order the. If you're trying to collect the line, dude, to the listeners out there, I, I would highly suggest pre-ordering because. Um, well, you know, the thing is, uh, with, with this Vestron line, I, I was like, okay, you know, they started off pretty good. You know, there was a couple announcements. I was like, whatever, you know, Blood Diner and stuff. I'm like, do I really need a Blu-ray of Blood Diner? I'm like, I don't think so. Yes, no. you do, because the commentary is hilarious. I, I actually have to check that out still. But, you know, I was kind <laughs> of expecting Lionsgate to, you know, I mean, through the first 11 releases, I was expecting a couple you know, really big surprises, you know, like dig into that vault, grab, you know, there's that. nothing surprising so far. And exactly I mean, maybe the Wishmaster was the most surprising because mm-hmm. it's like, didn't have anything to do with those multi-packs yeah. and it is one of their like popular titles. It honestly is. It's mm-hmm. one of their more popular titles, um, that people requested all the time. Uh, now I will say that I think their best release, um, minus because I haven't watched The Gate, but I think their best release is Return of the Living Dead 3 so far. Yeah, that's definitely... That might even be my favorite one, too, actually, because we got the uncut version of it, which is... Exactly, which, which is, is huge. And, you know, something that we didn't mention in the news, but um, it looks like Sony might be jumping on this collector's edition bandwagon because they're releasing 976 Evil, which leads me to think that maybe the next title will be 976 Evil 2. Mm-hmm. From because didn't they release Chud 2 around the time that they the Arrow released Chud? Yeah, it was probably around the. Yep. Yeah. So I'm thinking that we might get because Sony owns 976 Evil. Uh, Do they own Part Lionsgate 2? They owns 976 Evil 2. Oh, Lionsgate. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, so, that actually makes um, sense. Okay, and it was also a title that was in that eight pack, so chances are we can maybe see that one. Um, but I will say that I'm really excited for that nine seven six evil from Sony because they actually are releasing it with an alternate video version, which I guess has more gore. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. That's what we want to see. Is it not? Well, that's exactly what I said. That's exactly what I said. I, you know, I wasn't like, you know, fucking jumping up to the clouds when they announced that. But I was, I was more excited for the fact that Sony is finally coming out of their shitty closet and jumping into this niche market because they've got a lot of films in the vault too that could use good releases. I actually don't know. Sony's like really bizarre to me because I actually don't know. I don't know any either. Like I know they have Christine and Fright Night. They also have Brain Scan. I looked it up um, a while ago. I think they have a the few craft. other ones that are pretty cool. The Craft. I think they have The Craft. They definitely have some stuff, but it's not... Well, listing off all those titles doesn't get me too excited. There's no boner there at all. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm pretty sure... Like, I well, looked Fright into Night. Sony... What's wrong Fright Night well, Christine? Th- I mean, that's they're, cool. I mean, they're already out, I guess. But yeah. but no, I, I think that the most telling thing... And I, I would suggest everybody pre-order this and, and actually support it because it will only mean that we'll get more titles if it does well. 100%. It ain't like they're going to randomly release 976 Evil 
and just be out. You know what I mean? They they the cover has like that retro style look to it, you know, with the scratches and stuff. So they're yeah. obviously testing the waters here. So yeah, yeah. now should they have chose nine seven six evil? I don't know. Probably not. But it is Robert England's only directorial film, I, I believe. It seemed Which like there was pretty- a lot of hate on that. As soon as it got announced, like, oh, I'm not excited for 976 Evil, but eh. I actually like that film. I like it too, but I'm, I'm excited to see the other cut of the film. If it's got more gore yeah. and stuff, I mean, it can only make it better, I assume. So that's pretty cool. I mean, at least it's not a standard edition of it, you know, right? At least we're getting something more for that. But I think the biggest selling point here is probably the price point. I, I didn't even see what it was going to be going for. Did they give a price point for it? I think 15. What, really? Okay, that's so perfect. If so if they're if they're asking fifteen bones, that's going to sell a cog. I mean, really, I mean, every other niche company out there, you're paying twenty or more, right? So if you're going to yeah. undermine that, I mean, this is that's a pretty damn good deal for two cuts of a film. So I like. What yeah, they're doing I'm going to pre-order mine just in case I don't get a pr- press copy. Well, let's put it this way: when Vestron first came out and they announced Chopping Mall and Blood Diner. They were like fucking, yeah, 35 to 40 bucks pre order. You know, I mean, they eventually dropped down to like 25, but but maybe Sony saw that and they're like, like, well, let's just start off real low. Let's see how this does. But I think having the price lower is just going to make you sell more. So, but I think so too. Uh, after that, we've got the glass coffin. (laughs) Uh, this one is being released from Synergetic Distribution. Man, I gotta say, man, listen to this. Listen to this synopsis, quick little synopsis. Amanda steps into a limousine waiting to take her to a gala ceremony where uh, we'll receive a lifetime award for her acting career. Suddenly the doors lock and Amanda's phone is jammed. <laughs> a strange voice tells her that she's trapped and begins to force her to do things uh, that slowly eat her away her respect and integrity. Amanda's smart, but will she escape the diabolical endgame? <laughs> Oh my god, how many... What the fuck is this? Saw? In a limousine? It's crazy. I don't know. That could be cool. Saw in a limousine. But it's a it's a contained horror film. In a limo? Kind of an interesting premise, I guess, but... I just thought it was funny when I once I read it, but... Yeah, The Glass Coffin. Never heard of it before. Uh, oh, man. It just... You know, no DVD Blu-ray releases is complete without a wild eye releasing and that is lust of the vampire girls man the cover on this is <laughs> so bad and then to make things worse i looked at the rating on this one and it is pg-13 oh really pg-13 <laughs> what the fuck what kind of cover is that for pg-13 that's pretty hardcore for a pg-13 movie. but pg-13 like that's just fucking bizarre man um yeah, I don't know what's up with that, but uh, from Monarch Home Video, we've got Nocturne. It looks really, really bad. Don't even really want to talk about that one too much. And that is going to conclude the DVD and Blu-ray releases for no July. Love for Pretty Little Liars. Is Pretty Little Liars coming out? <laughs> Man, uh, I, I didn't even click on the other part. So, uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for the releases. Um, I guess it's an all right week, though. There's some good stuff coming out. I mean, enough to break someone's wallet, I guess. Break their bank. Uh, getting into the release of the week. Um, I don't know, man. I think I know where... I think I'm pretty sure where JP would go with this one. So I'm going to go opposite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
if you had to pick one release from this week, and I, I will admit there is, you know, there is three or four on here that you know I think are probably going to be ones that are people are looking at and stuff. Um, but I'm going to have to say, Beyond the Darkness from Severin. That is one that you definitely got to pick up. I mean, Severin does such amazing work with the releases. Uh, plus, it's a great film too. So, kind of put two and two together there. But uh, Beyond the Darkness, first time on Blu-ray in Region One. It has been recently released on Blu-ray by 88 Films in Region Two. So, and I know a lot of people pick that up. But Beyond the Darkness from Joe D'Amato. Check it out. All right, cool. Yeah, cool. gotta go with that one. What, what would you have gone with the Stendhal Syndrome on that one? Mm. Yeah, I would have. <laughs> really? really? Okay. I had to think about it because I was thinking I really like the Warlock one and two as well. But um, yeah, probably with Stenhall because it's like a standalone movie. It's better than all three Warlocks combined. So yeah, probably that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I'm not going. I'm not going to argue with with you on that one. So uh, it, but- it's my only problem with that is it's it could be a double dip for people because a lot of people own that original blu-ray including myself so yeah well that's why i kind of went with uh you know beyond the darkness man i mean it has a you know a shriek show dvd and stuff but the upgrade you know is probably going to be worth the upgrade for sure dvd is pretty muddy yeah. like most of the old shriek show stuff but but uh, yeah that's going to conclude the dvd and blu-ray releases for july 25th and moving along in mood swings here into the newly newly segment of box office brawl i don't really know what to call this thing man it's, it's just it's a strange one to me but box office brawl created by the fucking ceo of every fucking Dude, shit town, town. <laughs> jeremy so jeremy you want to fill us in on those uh this well the results i guess of last week's box office bro well, <clears throat> there is a, a little stipulation on this at the time of recording this sunday night still hasn't happened but according to jeremy like his predict pro- projections that he sees online are are fact so it is fact um, what the numbers came out this morning those are fact the studios are yeah well, what about numbers. sunday night it, it hasn't Sunday's, happened yet. Well, I'm just fucking telling you what I'm going by, bro. I'm just saying that you can't <laughs> yeah, predict bro. something that hasn't happened. Well, these are the numbers that came out, and these are what I'm going to fucking go by. Fanity Fair says these are the numbers, and those are the fucking no, numbers. No, but do you understand what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying. It's not official. Well, okay, if you want to wait until tomorrow, you're happen. still going to fucking <laughs> lose on that. If you're going to think yeah, I'm, I'm saying that it's going to make $6.5 million today, it's going to make its whole fucking budget. I mean, its whole fucking gross from yesterday and Saturday today. <laughs> I'm just, but do you understand game. what I'm saying, though? Yeah, but I'm just going at the time of re-recording, these are the numbers. Yeah, but, but why I'm saying that is like it, you know. It doesn't, it's not slim. close enough to any of our guesses that it's going to affect it either way. Yeah, you're, you're well, I mean, no, not I, really, not really. If, yeah, if, really. if, don't, if uh, Planet of the Apes makes like another, an extra 10 can, added to the pro- no, projection, you know what it, I mean? That's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot, a lot, but I'm saying, well, it wouldn't even need to be an extra 10. It could be six and it would, and it would be different. You no, know? you would still be 1 million away and I would be f- 14 million no, away. Me and Moods. Moods said 75 too, though. He said 70. Five. 70. Five. He said, I, I agree with Jerome. Yeah. Okay. All right. What did you have? 
Oh, you had. What did you have? Me? I thought I had 75. Okay, then Moods had 70. Yins didn't have the same. Do you remember Moods? Yeah, it was something like that. I don't think I had the exact same. It was close, though. All right, anyway, let's get into this. So what this is, you guys missed two weeks, three weeks, four weeks ago. (laughs) Basically, we're predicting the box office. We changed the rules slightly. Basically, the first one to 20 points will get $20 from whoever they versed. Mm -hmm. Um, And the films that we predicted for were... Jeremy? War for the Planet of the Apes and Wish Upon. So... Let's do War of the Planet of the Apes first, since that is the big movie of the week. So I thought this movie was going to overproject. JP was a little bit more modest than me in mood. So I, I was pretty thoughtful with my <laughs> yeah. So with with Spider Man coming out uh, last week, and um, just just the idea that this is the third film in the new launch trilogy. Uh, I thought that it was go- going to uh, be a lot lower than the previous Planet of the Apes film. Mm-hmm. Well, so, what is it? It came in at fifty-six point five million projected. So, pro- pro- okay, JP, you, you gotta be, you gotta be official about it. Dude. You can't say that you can't say that this is officially what happened when it didn't yet. You want to wake up tomorrow and I bet you it says fifty-six point five million. <laughs> Okay, How dude. much you want to fucking bet? I bet you. Anyway, War for the Planet of the Apes made fifty six point five million. I once again. Bet. Jeremy's one of those guys that just listen to anything people tell him. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fuck you, JP. How much you want to fucking bet? We wake up tomorrow and it's the same fucking number. What, what is your logic behind that? I don't fucking because know. experts told you that that's I don't what's that's happening. That's the way it is from fucking looking at the numbers. I look at box office for fucking years. Moods, and you whatever comes what out I'm on, saying here, whatever comes out on Sunday morning is usually the number. It's always usually, the number that it's, it's always, always the, the number, number that you'll see on Monday morning. I don't know how they fucking predicted that. It's just the way that they fucking the, Sunday does count as a night, right? Sunday counts as a night. Or does it not? Or is it only Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? So shouldn't the official numbers come out Monday then? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The 14th through the 16th. Oh, so Sunday doesn't count then? The 14th through the 16th. Oh, so the Sunday does count. Just answer the question. Sunday counts? Yes. All right. So then you understand what I'm saying, Moods? Yeah. Jeremy's going off of what is projected that is not official because sunday has not happened it is official it's official it's an official projection no it's an official that's what it's gonna fucking make so want me to fight so this list is an official jeremy how do you know that because today planet of the apes made 15 million 175 thousand official but today is not over do you understand what i'm saying what about the people that walk in tonight and just go there? You know what I mean? Yeah, chances are that it's not going to be much different. But it is possible that fucking everybody and their mother goes to the movies tonight. Oh, that's... Do they, do I'm they just have a, saying. It, for the possible. list on this website, do they have a cutoff time? Like, Eastern time is, like, say, 8 p.m. Eastern, and then whatever the numbers well, probably, are at, at that time is, Sunday, is the official number. Sunday morning. Usually Sunday morning. Okay, so if there is an official cutoff time, then technically there the numbers should He just said... Th- Oh, there actually isn't one? 
No, it's it's whatever it made the day. I mean, what's the latest showing on Sunday? Like eleven, but you know, eleven it's, o'clock. It's, so it's kind of like the dollar, right? You know, the dollar ends at like you know twelve o'clock or something like that. That's the official number for when they end it. You know, kind of thing. And uh, so there is no official cutoff time on this, Jeremy. It's Sunday, all it's Sunday. Sunday. So, yeah, it's Sunday but morning. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying they could they could do their numbers by like five o'clock Eastern time. Whatever the numbers sure, are, five but o'clock. it's still going to be what it's going to be. What it's saying now. Well, that's what I'm saying. Maybe that's what the numbers are based on their cutoff time. So then it would make it official. From what I, the way that I'm understanding it is, these are projected numbers. Like, like it's projected to do this amount based on the amount that it did Friday and Saturday. So Sunday night should get this amount, and then once it's all totaled up, then the official. What it actually made comes out on Mondays. That's how I've always understood it, unless I am wrong. I, I think you're wrong. <laughs> I haven't. I don't know. I guess I'll look into it tomorrow and report back next week. Okay. Okay. okay for now, <laughs> let's just play it off as this is the official numbers. We'll get back. Okay. So, War for the Planet of the Apes, like I said, made fifty-six point five million. So. JP is closest to that. So now, gets, yesterday you told me it made sixty million. No, I said fifty-six point five. Okay. You win anyway. Yeah, I win against you and Moods. Correct. That. Yeah. So right now I'm ahead of you two zero as right now we speak. Three Before to we zero. get into Wish Upon. Three to zero. Three. Didn't you guess 47 meters down? Yes, I did. And the Tupac Philic? Yes, I did. You're correct on that. So, yeah, 3-0 right now. And mm-hmm. one and, and, and one zero against Moods. Correct. All right. Now, Wish Upon... Yeah, it came in at about what I was thinking. I said 6 to 8 million. I think I said 8 million, actually. And Wish Upon came in at 5586000 So, way... That movie did really, really bad. That's not, a, that's not that good, to be completely honest. So, JP, you guessed $11 million. And Moods, I think you guessed $5 million. Right then, on. Just bang on. Bam. I think, I think I guessed 6 Yeah. So, I'm plus one. So... It's one to three against me and JP, and you are tied with JP at one to one. Is that correct, JP? Yes. Yeah, so one to one, and then three, three to one. three to one. Yeah. So um, right now, on you're getting this these stats from Box Office Mojo, right? Correct. All right. So the way that I, what I'm seeing right now, weekend estimates, which is War of the Planet of the Apes at fifty six million, right? 500,000 which is what you said but it does say estimate that that is not is that is so it like that's what i'm trying to figure but out but it's here. not gonna say 56 million five hundred twenty three thousand eight hundred fifty six i understand that cents. jeremy but what i'm saying is if sunday still counts as a full day and they didn't tally it into there yet then does that mean that it could end up but at 60 number, million no 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 so Sunday just doesn't count. Is it? It's only Sunday morning that counts. But they project what's going to be the whole day, and that's what they they have into the total. 
Okay, so is it is a pr- pr- projection then based on pre-ticket sales and things like that? Sure. So technically, it can change, but chances are they're pretty good at nailing the number. Correct. Okay, just making sure. That's what I was trying to figure out the whole time. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to make it so complicated, Jeremy? It's fucking numbers. It's always going to be complicated. All right. It so, shouldn't be that so, fucking complicated. It should right. just be what it made, and that's it. All right. You know? So that came, that came in pretty, I guess, pretty even. Um, so what are, the, what are the films for this week? So this there's, week. There's really nothing this we week. We have one. We have Atomic Blonde, which is Charlize Theron's new it looks like John Wick, a stylized John Wick. Type it's a female film. John Wick. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I thought it looked shitty. Yeah. <laughs> but I think by films like Lucy with uh, fucking Scarlett Johansson, that movie did really, really, really well, actually. So I think there's, and that was rated R2, so I think there's a, a market for R-rated action female films. But I don't know how this one's going to do. It's kind of... Do we have a projected uh, cinema count here? How many theaters is playing in? Uh, not yet, because it's still, at this point, two weeks out. But I'm pretty sure it's going to be 3,000 plus. Okay. So it's going to be pretty big. 3,000, that's a lot. That Three, is a lot. 3,000 is, is a shit ton. Yeah. yeah, Planet I, of the Apes only had four. You know what I mean, and that's is well, that's about. I think twenty five hundred like would big. probably be a decent number for a big budget, a list actor film like that. I mean, three thousand, mm-hmm. kind of pushing it, but uh, predictions. I'm not. I'm gonna stay out of this one. If you and Jeremy want to go, uh, go at each other. I don't know. James McAvoy's in it. You know, it's it's a it's a really big and John Goodman, yeah, this and is, Charlize Theron. This is a and tough it has one. lesbian and it has chicks making out in the trailer. So I'm just <laughs> trying to like, I'm trying to base off of all the things. But it also and is Lucy, rated R though too, right? And it's so, rated R. But Lucy was rated R too, and that movie made it a fucking 140 million bucks, which is. But you got to remember, it's also Scarlett Johansson at the top of her game at the time. But Charlize Theron isn't popular though. She is, but I think. I mean, she was in the fucking Fate and the Furies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does interesting movies these days. And she was in fucking Mad Max. I know, it's so strange. You know. Mm. What's the budget on the film? I can tell you in a second. Yeah, this is... It's a little bit difficult. I mean, the way 30 I... 30 million. 30 the, million. The way I see it is it's kind of a ripoff of John It's based Rick. off a graphic novel, I think. Okay, I so it's so. very, very kind of similar. Um... Say if it's playing in twenty five hundred theaters. Oh man, opening know, weekend. What is, is it going to? I know it. It's really hard to predict. Actually, because it's I, going up against the Emoji Movie, <laughs> which is, and then last week, the week before, it's going to go up against Dunkirk, which is fucking Nolan's new movie. So, but that's a different audience, I think. <laughs> I don't know. So our prediction is for the two weeks, what it's going to make. Uh, Just it's going to what it's from July twenty eighth to 
July 30th. It's the one weekend. One weekend. Yeah. It's We're always doing weekends. So are you guys going to go for this or I'm what? Gonna, I'm going to say it's probably going to come in at – I'm thinking it's going to come in pretty low to be – well, I mean for a pretty big action film. Um, Save is playing in 2,500 theaters. I say it's going to come in about 21 million. Yeah, that's what I was, I was going to say 22. So you guys going to – Yeah, I'm going to stick with 21 million. It's 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 a tough – to toss up yeah yeah i mean you can under you can play this two ways jeremy you can undercut moods and anything under 20 million you would go or if you can go 22 and anything over you would win mm. it's like the price is right did the dollar thing to me one dollar <laughs> <laughs> No, because well, that's if, the closest. So if the mill, uh, if the film makes, over. so yeah. the film makes twenty two dollar, twenty two million plus, I'd win. If it makes anything less than twenty two million, Moods wins. Yeah. Well, if you, if you picked above him, if you picked, I below think it's gonna him, be. Well, I'm gonna pick twenty two million. And Moods said what twenty one? Yeah. All right. So, for what is this film called? Atomic Blonde. All right. So All right. What are you guys betting at one? Yeah, one. One, one bet. And I think we should do Dark Tower in case we're not recording. Just in case. You didn't give me time to prepare on this one. Um, okay, so the Dark Tower is being released uh what, Jeremy? August fourth. And we do we have a budget? I don't even think we have a budget on this one. Um, uh sixty million. All right, sixty million, which is pretty high budget. Uh, it's okay. is it going up against anything really? Detroit, which Detroit. is Detroit. I want to see that really bad. That yeah. movie looks really good, but that's a different audience, I think. Detroit and Dark Tower. I think I think the Ato- Atomic Blonde goes better against Dark Tower than Detroit. I don't know what Kidnap is. Okay, so those are your three big movies. And then the week before, nothing super big, so it's not going to hurt it too much there. And it, do we have uh, theater listings? The oh, this could be, be big, 3,000 plus for sure. Okay. Uh, it's a Stephen King adaptation. It has a huge fandom uh, because it's, there's so many books. Is there any stars in this film? Matthew McConaughey. Okay. And it's already got approved. It already got greenlitted for a TV series, and they're supposed to all return for the TV series. So that is that is what I'm hearing. Any predictions on this? Do you want me to go first? Sure. I don't. I don't even fucking know. Uh, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. 38 million on this one. 38 million. Any takers? (laughs) 38 million on the dark tunnel. Ron Howard produced it. As McConaughey. 38 million. 
I'll take it, man. I think it's gonna. Co- I think it's actually gonna do better. To be honest, yeah. I don't think so. <clears throat> what are you gonna? You gonna? I don't like know how many bet? people. I was thinking in the in the low forties. I think it's no, gonna break the forty high. million. That's too high. I'm gonna so say. What do you say, I, Jeremy? I'm gonna, I'm gonna say forty-two. I think it's gonna do. I think it's gonna do quite well. To be honest, I, I mean, there's buzz, man. Is there buzz? I haven't heard anybody fucking talking about it. I've heard people talking about it. Yeah. I mean, it's a long time coming to do something like this. Yeah, but I'm just thinking about movies like Ghost in the Shell, which fucking bombed. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible. I think the best part of it is that it's kind of has a wide open week there. Spider-Man will be dying down. I don't think Atomic Blonde is going to do too big, um, as well as uh, War of the Planet of the Apes will be long. You know, that's like a month later. So, I think it can do good. Jeremy, are you taking a bet against anybody? You said what? I said I said thirty-eight. I'm yeah. betting moods. I'll go thirty-two. I'll take both of you on. Thirty-two. Okay. So when it does really, really good and blows everyone's mind, baby, baby. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting week. It's not really going up against too much, so. All right, that's that's very interesting. So, me and Jeremy uh, for the Dark Tower, me and Moods for the Dark Tower, and Moods and Jeremy for Atomic Blonde. And that is uh, Box Office Brawl. Box yeah. Office Brawl. Burr, 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 burr. All right, so do we have any voicemails or emails this week? Because we didn't you actually discuss funny, this before I still have not got that voicemail checked out um, the issue um, we might have a email let me check the, the emails real quick I put them in there on folder now um, but yeah I, somebody remind me to to work on that going forward here because that's something that we've been saying that I was going to fix for a while so but. if anybody out there has left a voicemail recently let us know somehow leave a comment on the video yeah. leave a comment anywhere facebook whatever contact one of us uh so and we do apologize that it's not fixed yet um here's an email that we got in may so this one's pretty old um i don't know if i got to this one yet but it's um he says no we, you know what? i think we did get to that one pretty sure we did so there's another one though so um this one is from june 9th and it's from liz schmidt and she says first just have to say i love your podcast all three of you are hilarious and bring something different to the table helps get through the days helps me get through the days i have paperwork fest at the hospital uh first moods you are like my long lost brother we are truly children of the awesome 80s decade second jp you have a great relaxing chill vibe and make me rethink certain movies and give them another chance third but not least jeremy you're just hilarious and adorable i could adopt you well you should uh, be in the hall of fuckers because you fucking had me last so fuck you get the compliment still fucking tells him to uh, yeah fuck <laughs> anyways was curious if any of you are near enough to know about 
horror conventions in Chicago this August, where a town of Elm Street, of them are going to be there from Robert England and Heather Langenkamp to practically most of the Dream Warriors cast. Any chance uh, of a podcast dedicated to the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise in the future? Keep doing what you do. Love you guys, Liz. So, um, thank you for your kind words. Uh, second, yeah, there definitely are plans to eventually do an Elm Street franchise, but it will not be this year. That's for sure. Yeah, we got too uh, many, uh, too many franchises too many. coming up this year. So, yeah, not enough. Uh, time. One of the things, one of the things that I suggested when we first started podcasting, when we created this thing, was that so many shows do their franchise shows early on, and I wanted to refrain from doing that. A because uh, we're at our worst early on. You know, we're only going to get better as time goes on. And second, it always leaves something for the people to look forward to. So the first one, the first big one we did was Halloween. We obviously did Leprechaun, Phantasm, Candyman, uh, and Silent Night, Deadly Night before that. But I don't consider those A-lists. Uh, there's only about five or six A-list franchises. You got Psycho, you got Halloween, you got Elm Street, Friday the 13th chainsaw challenge play maybe and the rest are kind of second tier um and third tier and all the way well, down it, to it all depends on who you ask i think phantasm is one of my favorites but uh but it's I, I it's literally in my top three favorite but it's probably my second favorite maybe man it's kind of dropped since ravager came out but um i'm saying in terms of popularity yeah you know what i mean so I think that we made the right call because I even listened back to the Halloween show and it is a little dated. Like we're definitely not at the top of our game, even though I think we did a fairly decent job and I wanted to save the bigger ones for when the time was right. And typically that is when a new film comes out like chainsaw or child's play. Um, maybe we will get to Elm Street next year before another one comes out because it doesn't seem like it's anywhere on the horizon at this point. And honestly, I'm dying to cover those films. I have a lot of things to say about a lot of them. And uh, I, I'm, I'm a huge Elm Street fan. I know Moods is too. And honestly, I'm just curious to see what Jeremy thinks of them. Oh, it's, yeah. my, fa- it's my favorite franchise. I think part two will be an interesting discussion. Yeah, that'll be an interesting discussion. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I actually recently watched it again, and I don't know, I just had this weird, I usually don't do things like that, just like pop in a sequel, you know, without watching the first yeah. one, but I oddly enough did it and had some pretty interesting thoughts I've been and discussions doing that a with lot myself. Lately, dude. Yeah, it was pretty I've strange. been doing that a ton, like just popping in a random sequel, and I never used to do that, mm-hmm. ever, but I did it with Friday the 13th this year, I watched part seven and five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched Leprechaun in the Hood this year for uh, St. <laughs> Patrick's Day. I usually go with uh, one, two, or three, but I decided to go into the Hood. <laughs> yeah, that's so random. Random. Yeah, yeah. I've been popping in like random ass Hellraisers. Like I watched Hellraiser four just randomly for ninety six. So it's been happening. Yeah, it def- um, it's been happening. I mean, I watched obviously Friday six, uh, Psycho three. Uh, fuck i don't know ravenger yeah, five like it's just it, or ravenger five phantasm it's it's fucking strange to do that though i always feel awkward popping it in i'm like this shouldn't be happening ocd yeah. kicks in it's like oh 
But uh, yeah, that's Wait. that's it. That's all we got for voicemails and emails. Oh yeah, I guess we had. Uh, we have fucking... one, one other email. We do. Uh, this is from Adam Claver from June sixteenth, uh, and he said I couldn't find any legends from my. This is on the Urban Legends so show. Uh, find any legends from my immediate vicinity, but I found a couple from nearby. The Devil's Chair in Guthrie, Iowa, is a cement cast chair that sits between two unmarked graves legend has it that bad luck even death comes to the those foolish enough to sit in it the devil's chair sit in it dot 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 the devil's chair uh (laughs) sounds a lot like uh the cursed bubsy chair i don't know what that is uh next up we have stony hollow cliff in burlington iowa this legend states that a young woman named lucinda jumped to her death from said cliff cliff and allegedly those impetus enough to visit stony hollow and say her name three times will be greeted by lucinda herself and if she drops a rose at your feet you will die the next day hope you don't mind me not phoning in but I can't stand the sound of my own voice. Have a good show, guys. Uh, so that one was intended for phoning the in. Show. Awesome. <laughs> so thank you, Adam. Interesting legends. I asked people to share their legends, so we had one person do it. Well, there was, and one to is be better fair, than nothing. More on Facebook, but yeah, one person. Yeah, fuck everybody. Sweet. Right. So that is going to conclude well the non voicemails and emails. Uh, I don't believe we have a knowledge segment this week. Yes, we actually do have a knowledge segment oh, this we week. we do. Yeah, so uh, I didn't forewarn you guys because I knew you guys checked it out. Uh, but there was actually an article written, and I'm going to credit these guys, but um, I don't have it up right now. I have to find it. Uh, but you guys <laughs> should know what I'm talking about here. This is the uh, Charlie Band tourist trap article that came out um you guys both read this right yeah correcto all right and basically what had happened um was you guys what you guys oh with the bad. the blu-ray the blu-ray release <laughs> I of told tourist, you i was trying to look for this the blu-ray release of tourist trap yeah i mean we it's your fucking segment don't fucking this one, put it on me you fucking bitch this, this is something that came out i don't know what a year and a half ago or something like that we all know um as collectors and fans that full moon put out a version of tourist trap on blu-ray that was actually a cut version of the film it was missing about five minutes of footage so it became a huge thing within the collectors, and everyone's like, fuck the Blu-ray, stick with your your older DVD kind of thing. And basically the article kind of explains, it's got, uh, I think, responses from from Charlie Bannon and stuff. And he's claiming that he had no idea when they were restoring the, uh, the film for Blu-ray that it was a cut version and stuff like that. And it kind of goes into, you know, that kind of discrediting Charlie Bannon in a sense and saying that he's a little bit of a liar. Um you know that he, because he claims that they used the original negative, you know, the one that they had stored and stuff like that. But it couldn't have been possible. He said, "Oh, we use the same negative to do the Blu-ray that we did with the DVD." I have no idea why it would be cut now and stuff like that. So the article kind of goes into uh, disproving the fact a little bit, you know, that he's kind of a liar because he obviously didn't use that original negative. 
because there would be no reason to cut the film within the time that they did the DVD to the Blu-ray. So it doesn't make sense. So he had to have used a different print. So to save money, who knows? It's all speculation on it and stuff, but you can go into it, JP. Yeah. So basically, one thing that I do want to state, and I didn't actually know this until now. This is an old article. This is from 2014. I noticed that. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah, so I thought this was a new article. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this is this is years old at this point. But anyway, it resurfaced, um, and it got a lot of, um, you know, uh, shares. So it's weird how that happens sometimes. But uh, it's something that we knew about and we talked about a little bit. So mm-hmm. basically, I do remember on this podcast stating that the original Full Moon puppet master box set when i bought it i talked about this on the podcast i'm almost certain that when i bought it it was during a valentine's day sale and it was you know out of print and it was a we uh turns out we have some more of these that we you know that were found in a warehouse which is the the article goes to point oh. out that they he says that a lot and he really oh. does he really does yeah. say like we found it in a warehouse we found some wizard <laughs> um, big boxes you th- know this warehouse is like this infinite it's like um what uh the the uh, how honey we shrunk the kids when they when they put the <laughs> yeah. at the end of the movie where they put it inside that gi- giant warehouse the the, the shrinker or whatever mm. i think that's the movie Good one, um, JP. But so um, I remember buying this box set, and then like I I spent fifty dollars on it, which is better than the people who spent like two hundred on it. Uh, and this was a I remember this being a hot commodity back in the day. Like it was it was like out of print on Amazon, and it was like uh, blah, blah blah. Like it's so hard to get, and they had some on the full moon sale, and it was fifty bucks. I was like, this is a deal. Now you can get them in any Walmart dump bin for like two ninety nine or something. Yep. 74 well, do, do you remember the, do you remember the reason why it was supposedly out of print kind of thing because yeah, the well bo- they say they say it in the article yeah. charles band did not own all the puppet master yeah. films so he theoretically kind uh, of pulled it you know per se uh yeah because he only had the rights to like the first four or something like that and this one had. Yeah, it first- was like it was the um the later ones like four four on, the later I think. One, or okay yeah I think like one and two wasn't wasn't owned by him, but he's done this before too with demonic toys. He does not or did not own the rights to demonic toys. He still probably doesn't, honestly. Um, and he would re- he released the the full moon carries the import edition, which was released in Mexico, and they import it to full moon and sell it. <laughs> that is some bullshit. They, yeah. th- I'm a thousand percent yeah. sure that they, they print that up themselves and they just put Spanish titling on it and they don't import it. Oh, hundred so, percent. That's what they do. <laughs> yeah. So, but he's done this before too, where he's put films that he doesn't like own in a box set and then like says like I, I guess their excuse is like, well, we printed up a bunch of them, so like we won't print any more, but we'll just sell the ones we have, and like somehow that's like a legal loophole or something. So basically, that was the story with the box set was that Paramount actually owns. Wait, breaking news! I, breaking news! Breaking news! Now Martin Landau has just died. <laughs> what the fuck? Why is everybody dying today? Who is that? Martin Lando? Oh my Landau? god, that's crazy, you don't know dude. who Martin Landau is, dude? Yeah, that's fucked up. He always old, too, so, I mean, good life again. 
but fuck is everyone dying today so uh yeah that's rest in peace to landau um ed wood man come on so anyway um so the the thing is like i guess that it's some sort of legal loophole where if you just sell the rest of your stock and agree not to print anymore like you're probably allowed to do that or something um i don't think so man because it's it's technically just a fancy way of bootlegging if you don't own something you can't fucking sell it hence being a bootlegger i'm saying maybe there was like an agreement or something you know like hey you know who knows how it went uh it's probably still illegal but at least um i think i'm sure there's some kind of loophole there honestly or maybe di- maybe nobody gives a fuck about Charles Bannon full. <laughs> so they're just like whatever. Because Paramount owned owned the original Puppet Master. I believe Charles Band now owns them. He does. Oh. I think I think he retained the rights to them. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, basically, the thing with Taurus Trap was it came out, and I can't believe we missed this because we was doing the podcast back when this article came out. Um, and I do remember talking about Taurus Trap and like that. And then the whole wizard video thing, when that happened, we yeah. definitely covered that. Mm-hmm. Um, where allegedly he found a bunch of slip boxes for uh, the old wizard video big box things. And there was a video that a guy did. Yeah, that was really YouTube well done. That discredited that. But that guy also did a video that said that um, Grindhouse, or not Grindhouse, um, Sorry, excuse me, like Diabolic and Grindhouse were like working together with the slips for or the uh, puzzles for pieces. Yeah, and that's that uh, that's fucking that's the same guy, though. Paul from um, VHS something. Yeah. Advocate or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So basically that guy made this video like kind of saying like 100 percent these full moon wizard video things are fake because they were selling for a huge amount too you know they were yeah they wanted like 40 50 bucks for him i think his most popular point like most um you know concrete point was the fact that it was only the popular titles the most popular (laughs) ones like i spit on your grave it does seem a little and zombie (laughs) yeah which come on those are the two most iconic two of the most iconic covers ever yeah um but so the tourist trap thing is interesting because the director came out and um he said that you know he worked he w- worked on the special features and things like that he didn't realize that there was missing footage when he did the commentary um probably because he hadn't seen the film in so many years but that the missing footage he believes that charles band probably didn't pay some sort of like inventory fee or like you know how you get the storage containers yeah like did they have like storage wars and stuff maybe that they kept some of their stuff in there and it was purely speculation but it i wouldn't put it past cheap ass charlie band not to pay his bills it's not purely speculation because this guy does have a little bit more oh inside stuff i get that too but i mean yeah i wouldn't put it past him and basically what they did is they they had his shit locked up and he couldn't get to it so charlie bound took an alternate route and found a different print which he was claiming to be the original negatives. Which it would not be the... Because there's only, I guess, one original negative is how they yeah. were. I don't really know what a positive well, they, and They kind of figured that maybe he went out and grabbed, is. like, you know, an alternate cut, maybe a TV cut of it or something like that. And uh, 
use that one and, and and upscaled a print not like the original negative or whatever but like like i guess if you take a print and and make it into an hd thing it's just like an upscale conversion type thing yeah and not like an actual i don't know how all this stuff works but I, i'm pretty sure that it's like a, a cheap a cheap way to um make a blu-ray edition of something and that's kind of what they were saying happened because they're they're made and it does make sense because there's no reason in hell they would randomly cut five minutes out of the original negative well it just doesn't make sense there'd be no point yeah exactly so it makes sense that okay we did they didn't actually make this print this uh blu-ray from the original negative they used other means uh that is interesting but also the director what is his name? Uh, Sh- Showmaker? Showmarker? He's the guy that directed Puppet Master. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Which he, his name is completely off the films. Yeah, I didn't even know that. that he, he was saying that... I've met him before. A I lot know. of his films have had the, his name taken off him. A lot of ones he made for Full yeah, Moon. Well, he left... I mean, he had a problem with Charlie Bannon, of course, with a lot of people have, too, for not being paid properly. Like, he was owed a lot of residuals and a lot of money for the films mm-hmm. that he'd made under... Uh, you know, Full Moon and, and, and all those companies. Yeah, and Empire and stuff, all the companies that he worked for. And um, essentially, uh, Charlie Band never paid him, so they had this huge falling out. I think they even went to court or something. Like I can't remember the whole story. So when, when, he, when he got the, uh, the films back, when Charlie Band got the rights back to these films, he released the films and it says, Charlie Band presents Puppet Master. And, and uh, Paul's name is completely off there. So it looks like Charlie Band kind of did the film. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So which def- a lot of people do, you know, a lot of people who are totally not too familiar always credit him for Puppet Master. Yeah, which is m- their most popular film series and film. So it, it makes sense that, that, that it's like attached to him, but at the same time, like that's insane to take the name off of the direct. That's. Like I love Charlie Band, and even I, re- I even, in a weird way, respect his tactics because Full Moon probably would not exist today if it wasn't for some of those tactics, and that's just facts. Um, but that's a new low, you know what I mean? It really is. Yeah. Um, I still love Charlie Band. I, I gotta respect him for just the the He's way he's a he fucking plays. crook. I know, but I, there's something about it, man, that I'm like, he's a hustler. you got to respect a hustler, even if it is shady. Sometimes, you know? At least I do. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, man. Did, so does it say in the article, did they take off uh, Schmuller's name from uh, Tourist Trap also? Did I, they take off David Schmuller's name off a of Tourist Trap also? Because I know with the Puppet Master films they did. I don't remember but you guys should read that article for i mean it's an old article but it's very interesting yeah it's a pretty interesting read it just kind of makes you smile too you're just like oh my god charlie (laughs) i mean it just all makes sense you don't pay a bill i'm gonna go find another uh another uh uh version of this film to to master (laughs) you know just a real cheap like tv cutter imported version fucking guy it's hilarious andrew scheuer from the Woodsboro Brothers podcast, actually sent me a text. I think it was him the the other day or th- today, where he had actually asked Full Moon in a private message 
if they plan on releasing a Puppet Master box set on Blu-ray, and they said, yes, we're planning on releasing all 11 films in a limited edition trunk. Oh, Ooh, limited edition. So you mean that you're going to get it for free, even though you don't deserve it, but it's not really limited. So they're going to make they're going to make an 11 film box set and then release a 12th one like the next day. Motherfuckers. <laughs> well, maybe they meant the t- 12th one. I don't know. There's a remake happening right now. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. What do you mean? We'll see. They they showed shot it. And sh- that shot. They there's set photos. Is it actually completed? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't. I mean, it might need edited and stuff. But yeah, it's like a, a bigger budget. Like they showed the the puppets and stuff like that. And yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it makes sense. I mean, if Charlie Band got back the rights, might as well sell off the remake rights and make some more money, so you can put out some really shitty mm-hmm. Blu-ray versions of his back catalog. <laughs> <laughs> I would uh, totally want a Puppet Master box set, I'm just saying. I would get yeah, you'd that. get it for free. Of course you would want it. I would I, want it, too. It pisses me off. I have, like, the first five, and I think I have nine and ten or something like that on Blu-ray, too. So I guess I'll just get rid of all those shits and buy hey, the box. Hey, Jeremy, right. I own all these films already, so I don't even want to hear it. I know. That's why you some should of have them I own, that set. Some of them I own three them. times. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but... Yeah, so that that was my little knowledge segment. There's also a thing about post horror, but I honestly don't even want to get into that. It's so ridiculous. Um, so we'll just save that for another time. All right, I guess that's what we'll do. We'll save that. Moving along here, mood swings. We're getting into the morbid fact from the coroner's report of weird stats and morbid facts. This is coming from issue. 177. This is the latest issue of Rue Morgue, uh, the July and August edition. Uh, Rue Morgue has gone down to bi-monthly now. Used to be 11 issues a year, now I think they're doing six, so I'm obviously not selling as well, I guess. I I don't know what's going on with this. Um, But yeah, this one actually made me laugh out loud, so I had I just, this is so stupid. Uh, Many of the credits in Birdemic, Shock and Terror are fake. Director James Wynn added non-existing crew members to make the film look more professional. <laughs> the fucking stupidest thing I've ever read. Ah, Birdemic to make to make it look more professional. Are you fucking kidding me? That is. Isn't there two of those movies? Yeah, there yeah. is two. Oh, have you ever seen the first Birdemic film? No. Oh, no. but God. I I can see it. It is. Uh, what was the joke? If <laughs> make us watch Birdemic through the Patreon, <laughs> exactly right. That's like kind of, but yeah, no, it's it's so ridiculously bad. Oh fuck, to make it look more professional. Shit, that's funny. Is it better than the Howling Seven? I would rate it higher because it has a little more entertainment value. Howling no. 7? Howling 7 I've has nothing. I've seen clips of that thing, it's, and it looks ridiculous. It's the, Howling 7 is like a, it's like a, an 80-minute country music video. It's ridiculous. Well, at least Howling 7 looks like a film, kind of. <laughs> kind of. It doesn't, though. It, 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 I don't know. That film is, that, that film is fucked. That's all we'll say about that. But that is going to conclude Mood Swings. And uh, yeah, so getting into the WWW portion of the show, what we watched. What the fuck did we watch this week? Jeremy, you want to start us off? I'll go first. Oh, never mind. Let him go first. No, fuck you, JP. You go first. Fine. Okay. Fine. I want to be a bitch about it. That's cool, too. All right. So uh, I didn't get to watch a ton this week, but one film that I did watch early in the week 
uh, is coming to us courtesy of Blue Underground, and it is titled Deathline, a.k.a. Raw Meat, which is what it was released as in the United States. It's a 1972 British horror film. Uh, I got the Blu-ray here, and this film follows, I guess, what you call uh, Scotland Yard, which I, I believe is like the police in London, correct? Yep. Correct? Yeah. Alright. <laughs> and uh oh this film also has Christopher Lee in it. Um but Scotland Yard is investigating some disappearances in a uh I guess underground like t- uh, subway. Is I guess it'd be a subway. Yeah. And basically there is uh a family ish of cannibals uh that are living under the subway from the people who like built the subway like their descendants of that yep. and that's kind of your film and honestly like i had high hopes for this one and moods even said that it was awesome and i believe yeah, we I... even almost covered it before on an episode like called like subterranean horror or something and we just never got around to it back when it was just me and moods doing the solo stuff or the duo stuff and honestly, guys, like I, did, I, I didn't really love this movie. Like I thought there was a lot of um, cool moments, like the the underground set with all the the corpses and the, and the Campbell family, super creepy. But every time it cut back to like Donald Pleasance and Scotland Yard, he's like, just a I weird was, character. <laughs> I was just not into it. I was just like, this is drapped like it's like just boring and and long and long-winded and i just wasn't interested in anything that was going on outside of the cannibals and there's not a ton with the cannibals so um you know i don't really know what else to say about it other than it has its moments but for the most part i found it pretty boring i'm still going to give it a pass because (laughs) it is still interesting i'm gonna come in at about a six out of ten on this one that's exactly what the imdb rating is Six out of so, ten. Hmm. I seen yeah. this at the marathon last Halloween. It's been a so while. Did you watch the Blu-ray, Jeremy? Yeah, I watched it. What did it? What you said you liked it? Yeah. When this was probably up there with Serpent in the Rainbow as the best print that I've seen in my life. Uh, from what I understand, Gary Sherman, who is the director of this film, this is that was his own personal print. I think it's the only print still in existence. And he took fucking just amazing care of this movie, and it looks really, really nice. And he was really pissed off at MGM, what they did to his movie back in the day when they released it on DVD. I know they did a, they cut it, and they did a whole bunch of different things, changed the title and all that. And it really pissed him off. And I, I would have to assume that that was the print that was used for this Blu-ray. And from what I understand, from what I heard during the Q&A with him, is that he took the print and now he donated it to the um, BFA, which is the British Film Archive. And now it's going to live there for the rest of its life because I guess they've helped him throughout his career. So he donated the print. But, um, yeah, it's a it's a weird movie. I can see how it's not for everybody. And it's definitely one of Donald Pleasant's more weird movies, in my opinion. It's definitely I a role that I believe that I didn't like. Donald Pleasant's always like captures my attention, no matter yeah. like, what I see him in. I just felt this performance was really dry and boring, man. Mm-hmm. I could see Continue. that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, it's. Uh... I, I think I just like. I love this setting. I think that's what like. 
because from what I understand, they really went down in the subways and they shot. Yeah, on location an actual, like, and abandoned. It was like, it was like the, cold and yeah. rainy and shitty, and it, you could see that on film. But just thinking about having them having to get lights down there and like electricity and all that kind of shit, I, I could see why the story of the film being made is more fascinating than the movie itself. But I still think it has some stuff going on that's interesting, and it, I had a good time with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, for think? me, it's one, like those, it? it's, it's one of those location films for me. I love films set in, you know, in just underground, you know, kind of th- that setting to a film is just fantastic to me. It's been a while since I've seen the film. And to be honest, I mean, I only own the DVD, which is a little bit hacked up and shit, too. So I got to check yeah. this out again. But I do remember really enjoyed. I remember it not being the most exciting film in the world, but it's still intriguing to me. I mean, and I also do remember um, you you were pretty bang on with not a whole lot of cannibalism type stuff but uh i thought it was- but what is there is awesome don't get me wrong exactly like, that was yeah really cool it just <sighs> I, don't, I don't know man it was i was I, I maybe you know what also surprised me is i thought this was an 80s horror film and i didn't really notice until about halfway through that it was a 70s film and i feel like if you expect like 80s you expect like more like extreme like uh, over like gore and, and things like that for this type if this film was made in the 80s it would be like a lot different so maybe it was like i was i had a wrong a completely wrong mindset going in which you shouldn't that shouldn't matter when you talk about a film and stuff but mm-hmm. yeah so i don't know it's yeah. one of my it's one of my more favorite <laughs> gary sherman films i mean his next film that he did was dead of buried in 81 and i love that movie that's like one mm-hmm. of the most atmospheric kind of oddball films too um but yeah i i gotta pick up this blu-ray man i gotta i gotta check it out again so you give it a six out of ten is it yeah i actually own it on dvd too which i never even watched that dvd so shit <laughs> yeah i'm excited to check it out again to be honest yeah, I mean, six out of ten is pretty low. Like, I probably could have went six point five. I'll stick with six for now, but um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Six out of ten, Jeremy. You're up. All right, so I'm going to be talking about a film from this year that did not do very well at the box office, and I could understand why. I'll get into that in a second. But it's a film titled The Cure for Wellness. Now, this is a movie that I've seen on a lot of people's lists this year as top 10 material, Jason Lloyd in particular. That's a very strange, strange, weird movie. And I could understand in a few different points of why this movie failed uh, to reach a mainstream audience. Uh, For one, the runtime. The runtime comes in at... Uh, 146 minutes so it's two hours and 26 minutes long and that's just way too fucking long for a mainstream film like this in my opinion and number two it's a it's a mind trip fuck up a movie it's a movie that i could see not too many audiences really connect with and understand what the hell is going on once again i had problems even following what was going on throughout this one and i can only imagine having a mainstream audience try to stay focused for two and a half hours in a confusing film. Uh, it, it It's on the level of Shutter Island, but it's way more complex and difficult to follow than that film, and that film is pretty, pretty complicated as it is. So basically, this movie, we follow uh, Lockhart, and Lockhart is a 
starting to become a big shot in a financial company. And he is uh, sent to retrieve his boss, who goes to this uh, castle slash um, wellness center in the Swiss, Swiss Alps. My amazing name pronunciation <laughs> once again shows up. So he is sent to retrieve his boss because uh, he has to sign a contract for this huge financial deal that has to go on. So he's sent, and when he arrives, uh, he noticed something's going on at this wellness center. The doctor's acting weird. Uh, the patients are acting different. And there's something going on in the water, and I'm just going to leave it with that. And then we learn more about the backstory of this wellness center and things like that. It's a very symbolic movie. Reminds me of a movie like Altered States. Has a similar type of a feel to that movie, which is another one that's really complicated and complex movie. So uh, the movie goes in an interesting direction. Um, I kind of saw what was going on a little bit as the film played out. But overall, it's a movie that you're going to have to watch probably twice which is kind of shitty because it's really long to fully understand what's going on or read somebody uh who wrote about it who understands what's going on like i did and then i started to piece stuff together uh the blu-ray this is the best blu-ray i've ever watched um i have to give the film that it looks fucking amazing 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 you have a really good tv and you pop this one in it's really really gonna make your jaw drop it looks absolutely fucking phenomenal um, I didn't think anything was going to beat The Swimmer from uh, Grindhouse, but this one definitely fucking beats the cake. It looks amazing. It has a greenish tint type cinematography to it, but uh, it really, really pops. And uh, it's a lot of green Swiss Alps, very green type of scenery. So if you're, this is not a movie you should watch late at night, in my opinion. I think if you're tired, you're gonna, just going to be zoning out a lot of the time. But if you have an afternoon and you're able to sit down and focus and pay attention, then I think maybe you'll get something out of it. Is it going to be in my top 10? I'm not entirely sure yet. Um, I didn't love it as much as some other people, so I'm going to come in with a 7 out of 10 on this one. 7 out of 10. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. JP, have you seen that one? I have not. I have not seen that one. Um, It's one that I'm a little iffy on because i've heard like such high praise but at the same time a lot of the people who i tend to agree with i see come in around where jeremy came in so it's not on is it a long movie i, I i'm sorry if you said that in your review i said it like four times it's like yeah i thought, I thought so um yeah that's one of, oh this is um oh this is a cure for wellness right yeah. okay never <laughs> mind i thought you was talking about the one with the zombie one or whatever my bad dude i totally zoned out uh yeah cure for wellness um that one is one that i'll probably wait till like very late in the year to watch i'm not like that the the running time scares the shit out of me dude i hate long movies these days it's partially because i have so much to watch and so much to prep for and stuff like that that a long movie just does not interest me unless it's like and being like gangbusters it's pretty psychological too right confusing yeah, a long ass yeah. film like that can be very tedious it's, to watch. Man. It's a it's a complicated, complicated, very complicated movie, yeah. and um, you can miss a lot if you're not paying attention. It could be challenging. It's challenging, and I could see why the movie only made seven million dollars. But um, it's probably the runtime. Yeah, and it's just <laughs> a hard movie. So who knows? 
<laughs> my best friend liked it, so. Your mom liked it? Who, who? No, my best friend, Cool Dude, liked it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, that was brutal. <laughs> Oh, slip that one in, man. Sorry. <laughs> Just fucking oh. cold. Jeremy doesn't even respond. He's floored. That's okay. My mom is my best friend. I don't give a shit. Fuck you oh. guys. Oh. Oh. oh, dude. No, he didn't. No. I love my mommy. <laughs> Remember know. when you and Moods were driving across this country and you was like, I met him on the internet? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> to the cop. I, did I still internet. love that shit. <laughs> oh, if you had to see the look on my face when he said that, I was like, oh my god, I'm going to jail. I'm, I'm going, going to jail. fucking jail. <laughs> Jeremy looks super young, we too, were like, especially back then. Oh, shit, oh, dude. Fuck. Classic moment on 22 Shots. If you have never checked it out, <laughs> check out the best stubs um, that uh, Luis did. Um, oh, man, they're great. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty funny. <laughs> All right, so first up here, what I watched this week is a film from the year of 1976. That is right, 1976. And it's a film called The People Who Own the Dark, released by Code Red. Uh, you can find this film. It's readily available still, not out of print and, and whatnot. Uh, but getting into a brief synopsis of this film, basically it is about a bunch of uh, kind of higher class rich people um, that throw a party in this huge castle owned by this big mogul type dude. And uh, so they're in there having their party and doing their stuff, shooting clay pigeons and shit like that, what rich people do, I guess. And what happens outside in the world is there's kind of like a nuclear disaster that happens. Uh, the people inside the castle are not affected by it, but the people outside and down in the village and stuff and all around are ravaged and they are affected heavily by this nuclear war that's going on. So as time passes, a couple of days pass, uh, they realize that their supplies in this castle are starting to run out. So, of course, they the only thing to do is to go down into the village and get some supplies so they can go back up to the castle and try to survive and stuff. So they make their way down. And, of course, they realize that there's, you know, th these people are acting completely strange. The odd thing about them is that they're blind and they're affected by this nuclear disaster. They're almost infected by the radiation and stuff. And it's turned them into like crazy maniacs and shit. So they start getting attacked. They make a way back up to the castle and then it proceeds from there. Um, if that sounds a little bit familiar, it's because this film, this Spanish film, is basically a Spanish version of Night of the Living Dead. Rest in peace to George Romero. This is their take on Night of the Living Dead. It's exactly the same thing. Uh, so mm -hmm. we know in Night of the Living Dead, we have people that are trapped in a house. They're forced to survive together with the outside world being, you know, it's it's devastated, right? So... That's essentially what this this film is. Uh, with all the characters, there's not really a lot of um, character development within all the characters. So it's one of those type of films where when people start dying off, you're just like, eh, I, I really don't give a shit a whole lot and stuff. Um, but I will say there's some pretty cool scenes and pretty, gore pretty gory scenes in this. I wasn't actually expecting it to be overly gory and actually have some pretty interesting scenes. Like there's this one scene in the film where... Uh, these um, infected people start throwing these bodies through the roof of the, the mansion. And it's fucking cool the way they did it, too. It just it came off really interesting. It was something I hadn't really seen in a film before. I thought that was very interesting. But, um, yeah, you know, it's one of those type of films where, you know, it's starring Paul Nashie kind of in a in a lead supporting role. And it's a different type of role for Paul Nashie because if, if you guys know who Paul Nashie is, he's mostly known for playing a lot of monster characters, you know, whether it be a werewolf or Dracula or just some type of monster character. He doesn't generally play 
himself. And he's kind of an asshole in this film. He's one of those characters who's out to only survive himself. He doesn't give a shit about anybody else and stuff. So it's pretty interesting. He's shooting clay pigeons and shit. It's pretty funny to see him in this type of role. But there's a lot of social commentary and subtext in this film, just like Night of the Living Dead. It plays out pretty much the exact same. It has a very downbeat ending, which is very cool. <laughs> You know, um, but um, it's it's a fun watch. It was actually very very entertaining. Apparently, this version of the film actually has a little bit of a different soundtrack than the original Spanish version. Uh, the original Spanish version has whatever the music is, but I, I think a lot of the musical cues in this are actually taken from the Blob, <laughs> which I actually read, which is kind of strange. But uh, I mean. You guys, if you've seen Night of the Living Dead, which everybody listening to this podcast has seen Night of the Living Dead, you know what you're getting yourself into with this one. It's essentially the same thing, just with a nuclear war, post-apocalyptic type feel to it. Uh, but it's pretty interesting. It was, it was actually pretty damn fun. Um, it's dubbed in English, so it's it's got some pretty shoddy uh, dialogue at times. I don't know if it's the right dialogue and shit, so it comes across pretty funny. But I will say, the third act was pretty entertaining, and I do like the the overall feel of the impending doom to this film. Like, you know something's kind of off, and something may be wrong, or right, you know, whatever. But I like the whole paranoia of trusting people and you know not trusting the government and uh endings like this i love i love movies like this and you know they were essentially trying to accomplish the same thing that romero or night of the living dead essentially did with its downbeat ending and stuff like that but really fan really um fantastic watch to be honest i mean it's not overly the greatest film in the world but i do highly recommend giving it a watch at least once uh, i give it about a seven out of ten it's a it's a pretty decent watch so All right. Yeah. Seven out of ten. All right. So, uh, what's that? Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, definitely give it a shot uh, if you can get your eyes on it. I'm sure you can find it somewhere. I ain't buying no damn code red. Well, I know you're not going (laughs) to buy the film, but that's why I said if you can, you know, watch it some Uh, other way and stuff, give it a shot. I mean, it's all right. All right. So, by now, you guys have heard the 1986 podcast. And there was a few films, uh, a few stragglers that I didn't get to talk about because they didn't make my top 10. And I actually wanted to talk about one film in particular because I think that it is very interesting of note. Like from my understanding, none of the guys watched it uh, besides me. And it is called Extremities from 1986, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) And it stars Farrah Fawcett. And now... I got this film on VHS at Goodwill, and this is why I really enjoy picking up movies at, v- at Goodwill and like on VHS, especially if it's something that you never heard of before. Uh, because otherwise, I probably never would have bought this. I don't even know if it's on disc or not. It probably is, but uh, it it follows a girl, and it starts out like super eighties cheese, like in the mall and stuff. And I I didn't expect this movie to be serious at all. It's not a direct horror film it actually was released by olive on blu-ray i just noticed that uh and it's not like horror but it's what i call um attempted rape revenge (laughs) 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 um so basically it follows the character of uh marjorie who is played by fair fawcett and she's in a mall and she leaves and basically isn't that what happens when you go to a mall you leave I mean, eventually. <laughs> That's. I mean, <laughs> I'm just. I'm just setting up where this happens. Not if it's a shopping mall. You never leave. Bum bum bum. Yeah. <laughs> Except for like half of the characters lived. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <they do. laughs> um. So basically, um, 
Actually, she... Um, I can't remember if she was at a mall or not. I can't remember. Anyway, that's irrelevant. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, she gets into her car, and there's a guy in there that is a masked guy, and he you know, puts a knife to her and says, like, you know, touch my peep and stuff like that. And so she has to touch his peep, and then, like, she escapes and basically calls the police. Uh, they pick up the guy who did it, but because he was, like, mar- wearing a mask, like... They're like, look, you know, it's just your word against his. Like, he didn't actually rape you. Like, basically saying, like, you, there's no evidence for this. You know what I mean? Because she's like, I, I, I want to push charges, lock this guy up. And, and they're like, there's no evidence. There's nothing. Um, except for you say that this guy was near you and he's saying he wasn't. And y'all were both at the same place. You know what I mean? So it's very interesting right away. But basically, we do know that this guy stole her wallet. Um, now, he did not have the wallet on him, apparently. Um, and basically, he has her address. And basically, one day, she comes home. And he's in there. And he does the same stuff. And he physically, mentally assaults her again. Uh, he's going to rape her. Uh, and she gets the upper hand and then ties him up. And basically, her roommates come home. And it's another his word against hers like they like he has a story and like they kind of believe it's a very interesting film because it touches on topics of sexual assault and sort of the he said she said type of thing that comes with sexual assault when there's actual no evidence of rape um attempted rape is hard to prove because there's no evidence for it so I, I find that the dynamics of this film is actually very intelligent and that it's it's very much a social commentary on the difficulties in which women face um being objectified and, and assaulted and the the lack of um i guess proof and uh it it touches a very <clears throat> you know sensitive topic and and that's why i found it such an interesting movie and it also touches on the topic of because this character wants to kill him because she has no proof but she's you know this guy's potentially raped other people and will do it again and almost raped her we know that as an audience because we see it happen but other people do not so it 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 begs all kind of questions all kind of questions the morality of things pop up it's 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 a pretty solid movie and and the more that i thought about it the more that i actually liked it it honestly probably could have made my top 10 at the number 10 spot now that i'm thinking about it um it's it's very it's a very solid movie it does it it does feel like it holds back a little bit at first it almost feels like a tv movie like a lifetime thing but then there is nudity in it so i almost feel like if they really would have um made it a little more hardcore i think that it would have uh hit a little harder you know what i mean so that's my biggest negative but i am coming from the background of seeing you know i spit on your grave and irreversible and all these other movies so um it's a little tamer than those but yeah man it, it, it kind of stuck with me and that's why i liked it so i'm, I'm gonna come in at eight out of ten on extremities damn sound <clears throat> interesting eight out of ten crazy pretty sure no, it I does have this one. you said it was, was released that but- in all of that you didn't review 
I was, yeah. was going to say it was released by Olive. That's crazy. I didn't even know. I probably <laughs> just. I probably was going. Never watched it. It probably wasn't dubbed as horror, so I was just kind of going through, not even reading descriptions. Like not horror, not horror, not horror. Horror. I'll take that one. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those ones that I had in the collection. I knew it was from 1986, from when I bought it, but it was not on any, you know horror list or anything like that that we use so i was able to and that happens sometimes these ones that maybe aren't considered horror kind of kind of uh slip through the cracks a little bit but i think attempted rape and revenge falls into the category that it's eligible you know what i mean because like it obviously it's not rape but it's the same thing it's the same topic you know it's it's essentially the same film without actual rape Huh. Like the other film I watched that did make my top 10 list was Implied Rape and Revenge. <laughs> so we got Implied Rape and Revenge and Attempted Rape and Revenge. There's all these different uh, subgenres of Rape Revenge. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, Jeremy. All right, next up, I am going to be talking about, yet again, another film from 2017. This is one JP talked about a few weeks back, and I wanted to watch it. And I think I missed the ball on this one, or the point of this one, until I talked to JP, and I fully admit that I was a full retard when it comes to this one. But I figured it out. (laughs) Dude, never go full retard. (laughs) Well, I did on this one until I figured out what was going on. And that is Raw from the year 2017. From where, Jamie? What? From where? France. Exactly. You're you're one true love. I am one true love French cinema. And this movie sure is French. As JP (laughs) talked about, uh, unshaved armpits. That's for sure. But um, we follow Justine. Justine, of course, is, as JP talked about, a lot of it. Um, She is a vegetarian who goes to a veterinarian school which is of course probably what most veterinarians are and uh she is thrown into a i guess like fraternity sorority type of a situation and she is forced to eat a uh rabbit kidney rabbit kidney and this ultimately turns justine into a crazy person i don't think that's what actually happens i think it unleashed something that was inside her essentially why that though because it's flesh but what about mm, that's interesting because i was thinking about what happened in the beginning of the movie that was going to be one of my she doesn't eat it though she's doesn't she spit it out yeah, but don't you think that she ingested something? Maybe, but maybe it takes a little bit more. Maybe it has to digest or something, you know what I mean? It is, it's it's speculation, but it's like, I think that's the point that they were going for. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, uh, this movie, man. I liked it a lot. I think it, it, it does a lot of interesting things. There's a lot of really awesome commentary, subtext, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, gender issues which you always 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 see in French horror films it's always about gender issues French extreme movies are all based about gender issues and this is nonetheless uh, the acting is really good Um, but you know I don't I don't feel like I love this one as much as JP like I said I, I think I missed the point of this one until I was talking to JP about it and then things started to piece together in my Jewish noggin and I started to 
understand. Well, you, okay, Jeremy, on. you said that it turns her into something, but why would a rabbit kidney do that? Mm. It, 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 it doesn't turn her rabbit? Well, the whole point is that these people do not eat meat, the whole family. Yeah. And the mother flips out when there's meat on her salad or something. Yeah, but then like at that. the end, so, you so say that like they're a having fa- a conversation, but the mother never says anything in that conversation that under- connects the dots of what's going on. But the father does. does the fam- he doesn't say anything so either. He just like does a- the thing. He, sh- he says he something does the last through- shot. He does the last shot. Yeah, he says something through visual, uh, visual sense. Mm-hmm. So is it something to do with the family? He doesn't has flat like, out say it. Has like a family history that's, of eating meat, and and then it obviously does something to them. That's why they're vegetarians. I. That's the thing. Minor that's what spoilers I here, guys. I take it as like vampirism, but without <clears throat> actually being vampires. You know what I mean? The same sort of deal, almost like Teen Wolf, right? Where the the kid inherited something from his family, but in this case, it takes something to kickstart it. And that is flesh. But what is this? But what is it? It doesn't matter. That's the thing. It has. It's a MacGuffin. Does not matter. You know what I mean? That's not the point of the movie. Mm-hmm. Then what's the point of the movie? Spoiler it, alert! It's like a coming of age. But <laughs> like, like the the situation that she's in, dealing does with. Does she really evolve as a character? I don't really see her evolving that much as a character overall. She doesn't, she, she doesn't really evolve. But isn't yeah. a coming of age but movie sort of follows a, 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 a evolution? Coming of age is kind of dealing of... with. I don't actually know what coming of age means. I always took it as like it's dealing with new things that are presented to you at a young age. The way like, I, I see it of... is that the way that she is in the beginning of the film is <clears> the same exact way that she is at the end of the film, but in between, there's this stuff that happens that I really don't think affects her psyche that much what you see in a coming of age film. I think this one would have been a good featured review. I don't think that's the point though. I don't really think think she learned any lessons I don't think that that's the point. I think that I think it's supposed to be like drear like you just like all this shit happened to you and that's it you know it's it's not like she learned like it's not like oh now I'm a better person for all this like that's it's but now that a, she's at this point, though, at the end of the film, that why isn't she the same way that she was when she was at the school? Why is she mean? still not eating people? I don't. I can't. I don't know what you're talking about. So, throughout the <laughs> she, entire she ate film, people the whole movie. <laughs> exactly, but at the end, when she's sitting at the dinner table with her father, she's not eating people then. So because why? I why all of a sudden does she go back? Because to she a has sense to deal with this. She has to deal with this now. But if she and, can control it, then why didn't not? she? How do you know she's not? But if she can control it, why do you know she's not? That's what I'm saying. Answer that question. I don't know. How do you know she's not? I guess you don't know she's not, but <laughs> like that. you're, you're asking a question like, that. But it just feels like that whatever happened to her sister changed her in some kind of sense that she went back to the way that she was at the beginning of the film when she was where she wasn't doing this. I'm not sure I ever got that out of it. Mm-hmm. It's I, a complicated movie again, but in a different sense. I don't think it's, I honestly don't you know? think it's that complicated. Honestly, I think this I would think have been a good trying to make too much review. sense out of the stuff 
that is not no it definitely would have been i think that you're trying to make too much sense out of things that aren't important like you're missing the point of the film the point of the film is is this character struggling with her sexuality uh her being older her dealing with the fact that her sister's uh beautiful more beautiful and more popular should have just been like that then the entire film then they shouldn't have Why? had the cannibal because Why? of what then what it does adds it another add? level to it dude what though it makes it a horror film it makes it it makes her also having to deal with these urges and this uh fact that she she's like kind of falling for this guy but then this tragic thing happens to him and dealing with the fact that her sister yeah but uh, her, but wait 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 her sister tries and stops her from eating the kidney her sister knows what happens when she eats me why would she want her sister to go through what she goes through but haven't you noticed that the sister is kind of selfish and doesn't really care Hmm. But but that again is also a theory. It's not fact that that's what happened too. Because I don't know. Um, it's kind. I, I think the sister's just okay with living like that. You know what I mean? Maybe she can control it a little bit more because she's older. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and as you notice, the, the 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 younger sister can't do anything on her own, pretty much. But yeah, I mean, I I, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. I like it too. I think it's a really fantastic film. That's what I love about French movies. If they 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 have like add really good conversations within people. Like I think like and all they the, don't hold back. I, I love think that like, so much about I think, it. Like, like the pubic the, hair scene and stuff. Like yeah, that like, would never be in a like mainstream American movie. I just sure. feel like all the really good in death conversations we've had on the show and even when i wasn't on the show like the martyrs conversation is some of the best moments that we've had on the show and i think it 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 shows what i talk about all the time when i when i show my passion towards french cinema that it just that just adds something to it that a lot of Mm -hmm. other countries don't have and i think this movie once again shows that so i have i had a really good time with this is it gonna make my top 10 yes i think it will so but I don't think I loved it as much as JP. I know Joanna really loved this movie. Uh, a lot of other people really liked this movie. I enjoyed it as well. It's really but. unique, and that's what I, I love that so much about it. Is it's just it's just it's not necessarily about the cannibalism and what's wrong with her. Uh-huh. It's that's a secondary point that just progresses the story. It's a MacGuffin. It's just something that that. A device that is used to tell the reason why is a MacGuffin. Sorry, not that. Why the fuck is it a MacGuffin? <laughs> a MacGuffin? No, where did that word that's, come from? That's Alfred Hitchcock term uh, coined that term. It's it's the bomb that the person's carrying. The bomb doesn't matter. It just progresses the story. You know what I mean? Uh, it's the bomb under the table thing or wh- whatever. No, no, no. Like, I know what it is. I'm well, just, that I'm that just, actually doesn't. The actual, the actual word MacGuffin. A, a MacGuffin is like um, from Pulp Fiction, what's in the briefcase. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. No. You know what I mean? Because Hitchcock shows there's a bomb under a table and there's two people talking and you never know what the bomb's, whenever the bomb's going to go off. No, I'm, I'm but, just referring to the actual word of MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know what it is. But, yeah i'm very curious to have your opinion on this one moods whenever you check it out i might even I watch bad it that we revealed so much but honestly it's not a movie that that even matters for mm-hmm. there's not like a huge twist or anything it's yeah, just no. kind of what it is you can and even whatever reveal there is like you expect that to happen but it's not for it's not that type of movie you know what i mean where it's like that matters what really matters is just watching this girl progress through this weird situation 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I gave it eight and a half out of ten on this one. So not that much lower than me. I gave it a nine. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh. Yeah, it just it just sounds by, you know, the conversation between you guys that this would have been a great featured review. Um I honestly it's, it's, dude, it sounds so many intriguing. That I've seen, so many movies that I seen. We are the Flash. Um so many movies from 2017. We haven't covered a single movie from 2017, by the way, on as a feature review. Yeah, um, so are. maybe we should do that. You know what I mean? Black Coat's daughter. Um, but th- there's so many movies that I've seen this year. That I would still be haven't great watched We Are the Flesh, but I do have the Blu-ray. So maybe that's something that we could discuss and maybe the, every, a lot put of it people are hating it. I I really liked it. Okay. Complete art house. Completely. Yeah. It's just well, bizarre. I've, I've actually had a couple people even tell me that I'm probably going to love the film. Because I like that shit too, right? It's like so. horse head. Yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of. Oh, <laughs> honestly. If it's like that, then I'll uh, love it. I fucking It may be a little head. more story, but the story, like, is all... Like, it's very, like... Okay, it's one of those things where it's like some people watch it and say pointless bunch of scenes thrown together that doesn't mean anything. I watched it and I came away with some theories, and I think a lot of people miss some of the shit that I thought. But I could just be pulling shit out of thin air, you know. It's who knows what the re- director really intended, but I really dug it. I honestly did. We are the flesh. It's it's a contender for my top ten list, um, and a lot of the films that I've seen this year. Uh, would have been great. I mean, I mean, honestly, just just super great for um, the uh, <clears throat> f- featured review. Uh, Capture Kill release was the only one we talked about a lot. I guess well, yeah, it I wasn't really a featured review. Yeah, it was it was like a co-featured review. <laughs> uh, Alien Covenant, I guess too. So yeah. So we're kind of lying. We've done a couple 2017 films, but maybe we should just do like a 2017 run up. Uh, it, it comes at night, kind of. <laughs> again, I haven't seen um, it. But so. I'm very high on this year right now. Like, it's. I haven't seen everything, but like, I've been seeing some good stuff. I did watch um, Get Out last night. For the first time? Yeah, it was my first time watch. So. Did you love it? Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it was good. It was good. I, the 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 one thing that I kept asking myself, which I mentioned to Jeremy earlier, was: Is there supposed to be a mystery of what's going on to the film? Because if there is, it's there's definitely no mystery. What but do you mean? To like you know what what's going on with her and their boyfriend and their family and the community and and shit like that. I mean, obviously, you mean like what what you find out why they why well, I meant the specifics this? of it. I mean, you know that. I don't want to reveal too much here, but you know, like the whole setup, I mean, obviously the fine specifics of what they're doing with these black people and stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't see that at all. (laughs) That was no, 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 that, that part. I mean, that's obviously, you know, one thing, but, Oh, you mean if the, if they're up to no good? Yeah. I mean, there's obviously, I don't don't think so really. Cause I think everybody that I went with, because I, I stayed clear of like a lot of reviews and a lot of people talking about it. So I didn't really know. I kind of, I didn't even really know the whole plot to the film. And, but like right away, I was like, well, I was questioning her right away and stuff. And I don't know, man. I think, I I think most people do, honestly, I don't think that was supposed to be, I mean, maybe a little bit of a surprise, but I don't think, I think pretty much everybody saw that coming. Mm Mm-hmm. But I thought it was a really good metaphor for 
uh, what's going on in, in today's society in, in, in America, you know, in itself. And I my, mean, there's my there's, favorite little good. Yeah, there's just a there's a lot of little quirky pieces of dialogue in the film. Like I would have voted for Obama a third time. And, and there's just a lot of little quirky things that you kind of add up together. And it, it, it just makes it as a very socially relevant film. And there is it was enjoyable. So many subliminal things in this film yeah. and symbolic things like did you notice that uh at the party every single person has a piece of blue on and he has a piece of red or vice versa everybody has red and he has a piece of blue oh, on the blood and just subconsciously it's separating him from them to you or mm-hmm. like when the girl is eating the cereal uh she's eating the cereal and drinking the milk separately separating the whites from the coloreds yeah, like, yeah okay. dude so much yeah, of that, that stuff that's cool I, that's cool i eat that shit up the it's blue amazing. and the red the bloods and the crips that's pretty cool um <laughs> well, I, I, I loved how they utilized the cotton part i i really liked that i thought that was pretty cool when chris yeah. was tied it, up with the a, cotton and a, shit yeah i thought that was it's really clever thing. even though I, they I didn't love, show love. it go into his ears at first i was like how in the fuck did he get that in his ears because he was fucking tied up and then I just kind of yeah. put two and two together. I'm like, because there was a scene prior to that where he actually bent down and tried to bite off the buckles himself, right? So he could yeah. obviously get down that far, so he could probably maybe stuff in his ears. But essentially, you know, the cotton kind of saved his life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so there's that whole there's that whole <laughs> element too and shit. And I, I thought that was quite clever. But there was a lot of little clever things in the film. I thought was the only part in the film, and I mentioned this to Jeremy that I thought was a little. They just kind of took it too far was the scene where Chris's friend, um, the TSA agent was talking to the officer and he's explaining his theory to her. And it's kind of comical because he's the comic relief in the film. And, uh, and, yeah. But you know, that scene was fine. But then when they bring in the other cops and then he has to explain his theory to them and then they start mocking him, I was like, you didn't really have to take it that one step further. It could have just cut the scene and just kind of moved on. We get the point that it's a joke. <laughs> you know, this, I, I this is I obviously not happening. A little like that too. I was okay with him being a comic relief. Like, I think that when I seen him, I instantly knew he was going to be the comic relief. Yeah. And I was okay with the choice of having a comic relief in the film. He made me but laugh. I do think that. Lot. Oh, he funny. killed the theater. Oh, he was funny. The yeah, theater was, was so howling funny. at that dude the whole time. But I do agree with moods. I think I would have trimmed that part down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, my only real issue was I would have ended it different. And I know a lot of people were, everybody's like, no, 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 no. I know how you would have ended it and you're wrong. Um, everybody that I've told that I would have ended it different um, has said that I'm wrong. So that's like a personal thing, I guess. You know, come to think of it, I actually forgot. But when I finished the film last night on the Blu-ray, there actually is an alternate ending and I forgot to watch it. I just realized that right now when you said I think it's the basically the from what I heard, I'm pretty sure it's the ending that I would have done. Oh, really? So, <laughs> OK. Yeah. Which yeah. is funny. But it's. But- Overall, it was a really, it was a good film. I thought it was shot. You know, one thing that caught me right away was the dude from Antiviral plays um, the brother in the film, and I really, really dig that guy. I think he's a great actor. I think he's going to oh, be. Yeah. He's going to be. I, 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 I said the same familiar. thing, JP. I said the same uh, thing. Yeah. I was. You know what, dude? He's, Normally, when I'm I'm watching a movie and there's somebody so familiar, I'm like, 
ah, oh, who like I got to look this guy up. But if I'm in a movie theater, I can't do that. I must have forgot about it. Yeah. But that whole time, you know, I like when they're talking about MMA and stuff because like I know I was like that's cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. And but yeah, that guy looked fucking familiar. That's antiviral dude. Episode two. Yeah, man. And uh, I've always thought that he's a really good actor. Everything I've seen him in, he doesn't do a whole lot of stuff. But I think that guy could become a pretty big actor, like a good character actor and stuff. But um, I just kind of wish that he was in the film a little bit more because his character was interesting. It was off ball, you know, kind of like probably him in real life. But yeah. but overall, it was it, it was enjoyable. It's a film that really could only be made right. Well, not only could be made, but I mean, I guess you could make the film anytime. But it's so relevant. You know, it's just it means so much mm-hmm. right now. And I love that about it. I, I'm a big fan of like I'm not a big fan of politics, but I like I like political driven things. You know, it's it's kind of weird like that. So. I like something that can make you think and has way more depth than than you can even notice on first watch. Um, it's just I know that this film is going to be studied, and there's going to be more and more things that are noticed about it. Like. There's a whole list of all those things that I just the, the cereal and yeah, the, yeah. everybody wearing different colors. There's a whole list online that people have created. You see, when you're just watching, amazing. you're, you're not you're like not that. thinking too hard about it. Oh, but I now that you mention it, it's like fuck yeah, totally. Yeah. Like the Bloods and the Crips, so that's pretty funny. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, it wasn't going to done war for Bloods and Crips. It was to Republicans. It's, no, it's, it, it's just the battle between one them. and the other, right? Yeah, it's just the separation. Well, you're just seeing every single person at the party have one thing on, and then he being the only one that has something else on which means he's an outsider subconsciously mm-hmm. you notice that but you don't really know why i do have i do it's have amazing. one thing what did you think about the flash do you think that was utilized properly in the film because that was kind of like a trigger moment um i, I feel- mean for the science of what they're doing i mean whatever they make their own rules what, what how that works because it's not you know i guess i guess within a community if everyone's kind of on the same page with things and you know you kind of know the rules of what not to do i would assume these people would not break out a camera and start flashing away because that would you know not be good for what's going on um i guess it works in that in that world you know because you couldn't well, take it's an experimental the... thing and you got to realize yeah. why they're doing it it's like if you only even if it does even if there is a problem with it it's like i would still choose to do it over you mm-hmm. know the alternative what happens <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah yeah very very enjoyable film though i really enjoyed it actually it was good so, so what did you rate it uh i give that one probably about a nine out of ten that that was my initial rating. That's about what I gave it to as yeah. well. But I might come up on it because I did watch it twice because I got the screener Blu-ray. And I, I I've come up on it since, but I'm not sure if I'm going point five. Well, just or learning 10. about more about the you know the subliminal things like the blue and the red and the serial. And now I want to rewatch it just to to find all these things. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm just kind of like start picking it apart like 4K motherfucker. I'm but, waiting to pick it up. Well, I, I don't think you need 4K to notice the subliminal shit. <laughs> I do motherfucker 4K for life. <laughs> all right. All right. So moving along right, here with so what we watched. Um the second film I watched is time. Wait, Wait. That, that was your second film. What are you talking yeah, about? <laughs> That's a second film. Come on. Okay, I guess I, I guess I just reviewed Dead. I had no intentions of reviewing that film. <laughs> well, you just like said you talked for like 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well, isn't that always? Okay, fine. Get Out is my second. Yeah, that's funny. No intentions of reviewing that film. <laughs> All right, so Jay, uh, who's up for segments? Uh, I'll go first. Okay, um, 
I do apologize for this segment, guys, because it is not a. It's a hundred percent not a horror documentary, um, but it was the only segment-worthy thing that I watched this week. What a fucking um, slacker! <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I, I'm I'm honest. Like this, this was the worst week for preparation since we've done this show. Um, and that's okay. I didn't do a segment either. Oh, come on. I like that segment. Dude, I got right, home so from this the is, in-laws. I had is... to drive an hour into town last night. Just watch my segment. You fuckers. So ill-prepared. <laughs> this is talk- not This is not Horror 101. And it's uh, basically about a documentary called... Uh, fe- what is it called? Future, Future 2000 AD. Future Shock... 2000 AD. The story of 2000. The story of 2000 AD. This is released by um, Severn. 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 Yeah. Um, I got a screener copy. I actually thought this was a documentary on like, um, like some kind of horror thing or something, but it's not. It's on comics. And basically, it follows um, uh, interviews uh, from people who worked on the 2000 AD comic and pretty much created it for, uh, which I guess the most famous thing is judge dread, uh, which came from there. And this is based in England, I believe. Uh, so you have all these artists from, from England who basically, uh, after, cause you guys know how big censorship was in, in the UK, uh, I guess there was like a a bunch of censors on comics. So um, they kind of started this like new label, like uh, 2000 AD or whatever. From action comics to 2000 AD. Yeah. And inside of the 2000 AD is individual stories. So it's like, I guess the main feature is 2000 AD and then there's judge judge stories in it and other stories. And eventually they branch off and have their own thing, I guess. But um, it's basically just them talking about how they came up and then how it kind of leveled off a bit and then kind of how it ended a bit um or the state of it today because i believe this still runs today yeah yeah um it was it was very interesting for me not being huge into comics but it's even more interesting because it's not like batman and like superman and like all the stuff we know it's like i've literally only have like kind of heard of judge dread and none of the other stuff and they talk a lot about like violence and how they they they, they like went really like science fictiony but they like you know instead of humans it's robots that are getting and there was like a lot of um comics comic artists and and writers are very very intelligent like they really are the way they like basically one of the guys was creating a group of like it's set in the future and it's like oh these are the nomads or something but really they're just russians they look like russians they do russian things and you know it's it's they're like communists and stuff so they just drink lots of vodka he like like hides the fact that they're russians you know through because he calls them nomads or whatever you know what i mean so it, it made me realize like how intelligent and like underrated like the storytelling in comics is uh and also the biggest thing I took away from this is like the, the filmmakers think they got it bad in the movie industry. Boy, do they get fucked in the comic world? Oh yeah. Like, like bad, bad. Like there was a point where they told us, they told the you know viewers that the checks that they got had a disclaimer, a yep. fine print on the back of them that says, if you cash this check, 
you submit all rights and copyrights to the company. Yep, so basically, if you actually cash the check that you get paid for for creating, like, let's just say, like, you know, Wolverine or something, just to kind of compare it, you're basically the moment you cash your paycheck, you sign over all rights to to Wolverine, the character and the stories. <laughs> like, it's so fucked up, dude. That's yeah. ridiculous. Like, it is absolutely insane, and that's what I took away from this thing mostly. That I just th- found that to be like so criminal and this is stuff that still happens today where they um so if you want to own something you can't make money off it or what if you want to create something and and keep the rights like i guess you can't make money on it unless you self-publish but it's things that still happen today like that comic world is very like dicey with copyrights still to this day um and there's like no laws against it and it's kind of messed up it really is uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, this documentary was cool. I think it was from uh, 2016, 2014, some, somewhere around there. Um, not horror, but it's worth a watch. I uh, liked it. I give way it better than 7 out of 10. Way better than VHS Massacre, that's for sure. I like VHS Massacre a lot more, but this is no. a better made documentary. <clears throat> I just don't care about Jeremy, I think stuff. you're like one of the only people that really didn't care for that that one they dropped the fucking ball on i haven't it, seen it yet and it was I actually just like very just homemade like it has it's no not that they could have made the movie like i told jp a few days ago all they had to do was fucking just go into a convention and fucking take your camera and, and talk to somebody to no they didn't talk to anybody from vinegar syndrome synapse severin Grindhouse. I don't even think vinegar syndrome was any, really big back then but Wait, what, what the hell does like, vinegar syndrome have to do with vhs anyway it's talking about fucking physical media, dude. They could have yeah. talked to him about physical media. Charlie Ban, you know? I don't know. I they just talked had... to Lloyd Kaufman. Okay. So one person. I really fucking... I mean, honestly, Jeremy, though, if you think about it, if you went to a convention right now and was like, hey, I'm making a documentary. Can I talk to you? Uh, no, kid. We're busy. <laughs> so you fucking email the fucking press person before and redo it. Why can't I know, they? I know. I'm I'm with you, but I don't. I, this seemed like such a fan project, you know. That I don't I don't know if it. I think it kind of evolved into a documentary, honestly. Mm-hmm. Instead, it was just like a topic at first. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't it, know. it definitely it's definitely not like amazingly done or anything. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. All right. But, so I'm gonna do a pick of the week, and I've been wanting to talk about this film. For a few weeks now since I watched it when we were off, and I've watched it two more times since then, so I've watched this one three times. Wow, that's got to be a fucking record for you. That <laughs> is, of course, The Black Coat's Daughter from the year 2000. Oh, I get it. You had to watch it three times to get the point of it. <laughs> no, I got the point of this one on the first shot. I just He did, up. actually, because I he? talked to him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just really... I was more confused than him. Hmm. I love, love, love this fucking movie so goddamn much. Um, it's just it has that sort of atmosphere and doom to it that I feel like so many movies miss. Um, it just it because it takes place in the winter time, and it just has that cold, isolated, um, gloom and doom type of feel to it that yeah. I feel like so many like film- Jeremy's bedroom. Yeah, <laughs> no more Jerry's bedroom. Uh, so many films that um can't replicate this um like i like i talked about before i think 
um, the second act of House of the Devil, uh, when the main character is in the house, uh, has that it's the last time that I've felt that kind of uh, really strong sense of gloom and doom in a film. So basically we follow, uh, well, this is kind of like hard to review and explain, but we follow, um, Kat and Rose. They are two girls. Um, Rose is a senior and Kat is the freshman at this all girls school. And, um, we, it's basically like raw a little bit where it's this, um, Kat trying to find her footing and finding her ground at this, um, all girls school starting to trying to fit in and things like that. And uh, it's the winter break, and these two get stranded after their parents don't uh, pick them up. And then it cuts to Emma Roberts' character, Joan, as um, she's basically um, trying to get to this all-girls school that Cat and Rose is at. And it intercuts between the two stories as the film goes on in a very smart and interesting way. And then some shit starts to go down, and the film just follows from there. Now... Um, the, the way that the story is pieced together is a really, really um, amazing thing, in my opinion, because of the fact that uh, you, you get little bits and pieces of what's going on throughout the entire film, but it's not really blatantly in your face. And I know that some people have uh, a, a bit of a problem with a plot hole that occurs near the end of the film with Joan and uh two parents and i could understand why people are upset about that but that really doesn't take away much from the film from me now the movie doesn't have a high body count it's not bloody it's not gory it's none of that but it has just an amazing sense of gloom and atmosphere that no films in the past five years in my opinion has touched it's definitely one of my favorite movies that i've watched in the last five years easily I really, really connected with this movie. I loved it a hell of a lot more than I thought I would have, but I really, really did enjoy this one. It seems like everybody's on the same page with me on this one, it seems. A lot of people are loving this movie, watching it multiple times like I have. And this is directed by Anthony Perkins' son, and I know he made another movie that's on Netflix that I still have to check out, but I see if he keeps following... Um, in these footsteps, then I feel like we're going to see some more really great stuff from him. So, of course, this one gets a 10 out of 10 from me. Um, I, I really, really love this movie a lot. A lot, a lot. Yeah. Um, you know what's funny, dude, is I love this movie a lot, too. And um, I heard that plot hole, which I didn't think of at the time. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like now that I'm thinking about it, it I makes, have to rewatch it because it I have sense, to see if I can but... explain it away. But it's a pretty major plot hole. Mm-hmm. If, if I can't explain it away, okay. It well, okay. What, what's it's... the plot? What? Can we say spoilers? Yeah. All right. It's so a the spoiler alert because you got me thinking now. I'm like, what plot? So hole? the so the plot hole is when Joan gets picked up by um, the parents of Rose. And the parents don't know who Joan is. Oh yeah, because that, that is. And yep. and look, you yeah, can say, yeah. "Well, I didn't know that was her either," because she looks completely different. But then it almost it almost makes it worse because it's technically a different actress. So of course it looks di- of course she looks different, and nobody would recognize her because it's not the same person in real life. So it's almost like a cheat, kind of. 
Mm-hmm. But I mean, pertaining it's almost to the, a cheat. But pertaining to the story, it should technically make sense, right? So I, I can see where that. Yeah, I can see where people have a problem with that. Yeah, but it's almost like a double problem because it's like you can't even say, "Well, she looks different after all these years," because it's like, "Well, of course she does," because look, it's actually a different actress. So yeah, you're right; she does look different. So you can't even say like we made her look different because it's actually a fucking different person. Mm-hmm. It's like I, 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 it's almost like a complex bullshittery. But the parents <laughs> are technically supposed to be seeing that person right so yeah i know what i'm i'm saying though is like when you say oh well look how different she looks yeah yeah you know it's been so long she looks so different and it's like well you can't say that because it's a different actress so you can't actually use that as an excuse because what it's nine years or something like that yeah but even nine years though you would still be like okay you know like what look the same i mean you would still recognize that person i mean if it was uh, especially if it was that significant exactly. i would think so yeah right so okay. uh, that shit doesn't take anything away from me fuck that it's a I pretty still... big plot hole actually I think about you know it. i never really that's funny you bring that up but yeah right away i knew exactly what you're talking about i was like oh fuck totally crazy i just I like you have to disbelief. suspend your disbelief a great deal to think that they wouldn't recognize her unless i watch back like was she arrested like how did i, I can't remember she was in I a gotta, mental I have to okay so then too. yeah, yeah, yeah definitely mental, then yeah i gotta rewatch it too now just to see that okay i've only seen it once that's but that's definitely a problem i was pretty fucking high on that film until you just fucking but, ruined it for me jeremy but you know what else <laughs> though dude they do recognize her kind of just in a different way they're almost blinded you know what i mean they're like there's something so familiar i I think the mother knows that something's up i think the dad she can't know that that's the same person there's no way she'd be chilling with them i don't think that that she i think she has a suspicion that something's up she has a suspicion that the girl's just a piece of shit and like they shouldn't be helping her because she's probably a drug addict or something Mm There's no way she has suspicion that there's that she's like a criminal or something like it, like a like a murderer or something. Mm-hmm. No way. That's too far out of left field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but seriously, though, like they I mean, you can say that, like, because the whole time they're like they're like something is familiar about it, but they keep saying that it's their daughter but it's actually not it's they're probably she's probably familiar because it's a person that killed your daughter because even the mother says you look fucking nothing like our daughter so maybe it's like you know what i mean so i, I don't know i'm I'll, I'll have to rewatch it and see how it's played out but that could hurt my final rating for sure yeah that's interesting shit it, i'd be curious to ask mr perkins <clears throat> i wonder if it says anything in the commentary yeah, that would be a good. Maybe I'll listen to it. Yeah, huh. since I've watched it three times already. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I love the movie a lot. I, I really do. All right. Cool. <clears throat> All right. So my Italian stallion of the week is coming from the year of 1976, also, and it is called Werewolf Woman. This film is directed also? by. What's that? Also. Yeah, the first film. Coming from 1976 also? The first film I reviewed was from 1976. Oh, okay. I was about to say. I I was like, did we review another 76? Yeah. People Who Own the Dark from 1976. That's why I told you to check it out. Um, 
Yeah, man. He, uh, <laughs> the director here, um, Reno D. Silver, Silverstro? I don't know. Italian name. Totally butchered the shit out of that. He, he's known for directing some pretty damn sleazy films, man. He directed Hannah D. in 84, uh, Deported Women of the SS Special Section, also from 1976, which is <laughs> incredibly sleazy. Uh, Woman in Cell Block 7, so... If you've seen any of those films, you know exactly kind of what you're getting yourself into this one. Um, <clears throat> a little bit of a disclaimer on this one. The title of the film, Werewolf Woman, is a little bit misleading. I will say that right off the hop. Um, <clears throat> so with that said, I'll get into the synopsis of this one. Basically, this film follows our main character, uh, Daniela. Um, she's a pretty... She's got a past, man. She's a pretty wrecked individual. Um, she had a... Uh, something happened to her where she got raped and she got kind of got ravaged a little bit and <clears throat> really kind of broke her mental state and stuff like that. So now she's built up this this phobia, like this sexual phobia and, and also a very deep hatred for men. So she's kind of dealing with this and stuff. And then she starts having these crazy nightmares about this this ancestor that looks exactly like her. And uh, in her dreams, this ancestor actually could shapeshift into a werewolf. And she also had this very deep hatred for men and stuff. And that's what she would do. She would she would go around and, you know, rip out the throats of men and stuff like that and and whatnot. And um, so coming back into reality, she, uh, you know, she's kind of dealing with this and she's starting to think that maybe it's kind of connected and that she may be a werewolf and things like that. So her sister comes back from America with her husband our sister's off there going to school and stuff shows up with her husband ultimately ends up seeing her sister have sex with her husband which kind of triggers something and she <laughs> ends up killing her sister's husband she gets institutionalized she gets put in this hospital and stuff um shit goes down in there she kind of breaks out and then goes on this like crazy rampage killing spree and shit and then something happens in the third act and then she goes out for revenge and <laughs> it's just like fucking crazy film but yeah it's an opposite of the film so my thoughts on this one, um, it's actually pretty damn good, I have to admit. Uh, for a film that, you know, is a little bit misleading, there's not really a werewolf in this film. It's more of a psychological character study of our main character, Daniela. Um, she's, like I said, she's got this past, you know, she's very destroyed and, and, and shit like that. And, you know, it's just, it's pretty much, like I said, it's just a character study of her. Um, but pretty good, though, man. There's some pretty good gore in this film, and it's sleazy as all living hell. Of course, having to deal with sexual phobias and stuff, there's tons of tits and muff and ass and just, like, open vagina in this film. It's crazy, man. There's fucking so much shit going on. There's this really kind of fucked up scene where she's in the hospital, and, and you know, she has just killed her sister's husband, so she's tied down in these straps. Anyways, there's this crazy bitch that's in the hospital and she comes to her room and then this girl like starts like molesting her and shit, and, like eating her out and shit. It's fucking crazy. There's this huge lesbian scene and shit. Um, so that was pretty wild and shit. But uh, this film, in my opinion, it's like, it. you know, I think for somebody that's watching this movie, you're going to kind of look at it and go, this film doesn't really know what it wants to be. Like, is she just, is it a, you know, a psychological logical character study of this woman or is it a revenge film and stuff because it kind of switches modes in the third act you know she ends up kind of finding a partner which she is really liking and then something happens and then she ends up going on this rampage and stuff but i think it's fitting to the study of her she's you know like i said it's it's a character study of her she's up and down she's already damaged in things so i think the progression from 
what we have in the first two thirds of the film to what happens in the third act is actually explainable. I think it works for the film without giving too much away, but um, it's a pretty fun film. I have to say it was actually shot pretty well. The dialogue. Yeah. I mean, it's shot in English. Uh, it's dubbed obviously, but um, some of the dialogue is just fucking cheesy as hell. It actually kind of makes you laugh pretty a lot. And I, I will say generally, I'm a big fan of like Italian scores uh, and music and stuff that I found a lot of the, the music that was used in this film was a little bit shitty. Actually, it was kind of cheesy and bad at times and stuff. Um, so that kind of hurt it a little bit for me. I was like, damn man, better music would have probably brought out a lot of these scenes. The film has a really, really great opening sequence to the film. It's fan fucking fantastic. And it also gets pretty dark towards the end. The middle is a little bit different. It has its moments and stuff, but it starts and finishes quite well. Uh, with enough to, you know, recommend this one. I, I mean, I've heard people say they didn't really care for this one. I'm not really entirely sure why. If you're an Italian cinema fan, you should probably dig this one. Like I said off the hop, it's a little bit misleading from the title, but it's a cool character study. I like these psychological type films. Seven and a half out of ten. Give it a shot. It's pretty fun. Watch the Blu-ray from Raro Video. It looks pretty damn good for what it is. Um, you know, I mean, it's probably as good as it's going to look, so... Give it a shot, Werewolf Woman. All right, so getting into the featured reviews for episode 107 here, and we decided to go with a little bit of a different theme and do some black exploitation horror films. And uh, why not do Blackula and its sequels, Scream Blackula Scream? Why not, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so starting off here from the glorious year of 1972, we've got Blackula, directed by William Crane. Um. Yeah, quick little synopsis here: an a- an ancient African prince turned into a vampire by Dracula himself finds himself in modern Los Angeles. Yes. Now, what I've always said about these films, there's one plot hole that bothers the fuck out of me in this movie. Okay, we'll get to that. Um, the one thing about these two films, we'll start with this one, uh, that always kind of surprises me every time I watch these is the fact that they're not comedies. These movies are played like straightforward. You think in the heyday of black exploitation, they would kind of exploit it as more of a comedy because you think it would work a little bit better as being a comedy. But, uh, it's definitely one thing that just surprises the shit out of me. I know that you were surprised too, Jeremy, were you that they were actually played straightforward? Yeah, I was, I was pretty surprised. And the soundtracks fucking rule on both of these movies. Oh, fantastic. Great, great. I early wish they, funk. I wish yeah. yeah, I wish I could fucking just download them and listen to them because they're fucking awesome. I mean, I, I, I 100% agree with uh, the fact that they're pretty straightforward. Like, my, pretty much, I've known about these films for years, never seen them, and I expected them to be comedic, you know what I mean? Like, ridiculous and over the top and, and like, uh, like, like a um, parody almost, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. they're really not at all <laughs> they're definitely not parody but i mean they're they're also played like a regular horror film too it's pretty pretty interesting i and, mean there's funny stuff but it's not super intentional you know what i mean yeah mm-hmm. it's unintentional last for sure um yeah exactly like right in the middle of the heyday of black exploitation films you got like these two horror films and and it's the titles alone are a little bit comedic right so you're kind of looking at them going blackula and scream black scream it, it sounds like you should be having some laughs, but I love the fact that they didn't go that route and make these comedies. You know, trying mm-hmm. to play these films straightforward, in my opinion, worked. 
And I think some mm-hmm. of the casting actually helped in this film, to be honest. I mean, having William Marshall play Blackula was fucking perfect, he's, man. The dude, he's great. The dude is bad fucking ass. It's too bad that he never yeah. made it, like, as a huge actor. Like, he did. A, he worked throughout his whole career until he passed away. But he, um, he, he never really got that, like, kind of huge status and stuff. And I, I think for the most part, if you mention William Marshall's name, you might not even know who the fuck he is. But William Marshall, man, plays... The Blackula character so strong and so amazing, and he's got one of the best voices ever. It was great casting. I love that about it. So yeah, he's great. Now the one problem I had with the movie is at the end of the movie where the doctor and the sergeant go into the warehouse and all the Dracula vampires are, and they don't carry any fucking crosses or anything like that. And throughout the entire rest of the film, they always have fucking weapons and crosses and shit like that. If they knew they were going into a warehouse that was probably filled with vampires, why the fuck didn't they not have any weapons? So fuck that. That shit bothered the hell out of me. Well, I don't think they exactly knew what they were. I mean, I think they were going after Blackula himself, right? Not yeah, but they would go everywhere else and they would have a cross or something like that. They just fucking go into this place with nothing. Uh, and That's definitely a very valid point. Yeah, Honestly, I mean, I guess when you, th- I mean, when you think about it, it's definitely um, fucking bother the hell out of kind of sloppy script writing there. Yeah, that- yeah for sure. I mean, it's yeah. definitely it's definitely not perfect, but um, but you know, I I actually really enjoy this film. I think you know it's very kind of typical. You know, st- the, the storyline is not too crazy in this film. It's, it's a know- very very basic storyline. One thing that um, like I I okay, so Blackula. Before he's Blackula, first of all, um, <laughs> before he's Blackula, him and his wife go to this guy about like slaves or something, and then like um, he's Dracula, and he is like, "No, fuck you! I'm gonna lock you in a coffin," and he's like, "Then I'm gonna name you for some reason." <laughs> like, what? The f- <laughs> and and so the, the <laughs> girl died, and Blackula lived, and he gets reawoken in present day yeah. Los Angeles. And Which is another part of the sloppy. He sees sp- a girl who looks like his wife. Well, he, or is it supposed too. to be his wife? Or well, like I dis- think it's like a descendant or something. But then, how did she have babies? And why is she know. in L.A.? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's someone that just looks like Lova. You know, when he meets Tina, she he completely reminds oh. her of Luva. She's not. Well, actually, looks just fucking like her. Well, that that's the reason okay, why he falls here, here in love with her. Wikipedia says a re. He believes she's reincarnated. Yeah, so it's all in his mind, really. I mean, it's actually not the reincarnated Luva. It's someone that just looks exactly like Could her. Be. It's in his mind. But the sole purpose of Black, you know, once he sees her, is he needs to to regain his one love in life. So I mean, he was looking for that read from the start when he got resurrected, which is another interesting odd scene in the film because you have these two enormously flamboyantly gay art dealers that buy oh, all yeah. this shit from like Romania. Really, you think they were gay? They actually were gay. They actually talk about it in the film. <laughs> so. You know, uh, they do say faggot a lot that, in this movie, that was, JP. That was me being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, but that's such an oddball scene. I don't know if you guys noticed, but, you know, they're fucking around with all their antiques that they just bought. And all of a sudden, like, he just comes out of the coffin. Like, he just resurrects, right? Like, they're actually, according to Wikipedia, they're not art dealers. They where are. Where are they? interior designers yeah that's right that's they actually are into which adds to the flamboyantly gay <laughs> characters of them but yeah that's right they were buying these antiques to you know 
you know, to sell off and do whatever. But I just, but that, that you know, that's kind of a funny piece to buy. If you're an interior decorator buying a coffin, you're just going to put that in the fucking corner <laughs> of someone's house or what? But I, that was one thing about this, the, the resurrection of Blackula that I always thought was kind of stupid is he just like walks out of the fucking coffin. Like there's nothing to like resurrect him. At least in the second one, we get that, you know, like we actually <laughs> get a full yeah, resurrection. It's like if it, his coffin opened and there, and there was like a padlock on it. And the dude like knocks the padlock off. So I guess that was like, enough. Well, I'm resurrected. Modern day. Air so you think he was just like hanging out in there the whole time, or you that's, think he was asleep? That's what. Well, I how was, the fuck? How the fuck did he eat? That's what I always wondered too. I was like, how the fuck did he just? Uh, I don't know. It's yeah. Don't they need blood or else they like die? That's exactly. what I thought too. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe not in this one. Maybe they just crave blood. Yeah. Because the it depends what vampire lore you follow. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it was just so, very convenient. Technic- they didn't have to do anything but knock the lock off, and then all of a sudden just resurrects Blackula. I don't know. <laughs> but they got it what they even deserved. Crazier in the next ones. Yeah. It's got to be. So uh, I like that when he turns black, like when he's like vamped out, he like gets like facial sideburns. hair. Yeah, yeah. He gets sideburns. But the, but they're like these disconnected sideburns. <laughs> it's like these little patches. Oh, dude, I love that when he turns into into Blackula, man. Yeah, it, it turns like so. He's got the wickedest chops ever, you know. And this yeah. the hair facial, the placement of the hair is just so funny, dude. <laughs> it cracks me up, man. I love how like modern he looks to 1970. Yeah, <laughs> you know, 72. It's you know, just it's so fucking awesome. It's like he just woke up. He's like, oh, I don't need to get any clothes. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome shit. <laughs> my my seventeen hundred garbs are just fine. You know, another interesting fact, or another interesting thing, you know, in the in the backstory in the beginning of the film, when, you know, um, I guess, what's his name? Um, uh, Mandewald? Mandewald, I think, was his actual name. But he's there at, you know, Dracula's place talking about slavery and things like that. Um, oddly enough, slavery in the U.S., where this was, you know, uh, I mean, it's it's kind of connected, I guess, in a sense, but slavery had been, you know, kind of abolished in 19, or like seven years earlier just kind of an odd thing that they were just talking about slavery and shit like that but wait so, what what when does it when does it take place the backstory takes place in in uh what 17 oh no it's 1780 i was thinking 1880 never mind <laughs> yeah you're right man this is 1780 shit holy christ man that's like retard way alert retard alert <laughs> i was i was totally looking at my thing going 1880 yeah that was it would, yeah yeah it would have been 1873 is when lincoln freed the slaves but anyways yeah so do you guys, do you guys actually enjoy this film, man? I think it's a fun ass film, man. I mean, besides the obvious lazy kind of script writing and shit, man, it's a pretty, it's pretty refreshing to see. It's a film super like low this. budget it's for sure. It's, you know what I mean? It's yeah. You can you can tell that it's like very like guerrilla style. Like, hey, I, I'm gonna make a movie and I'm gonna get this person and that person who you know from the streets or whatever to make this movie with me and if you've seen a lot and, of know, exploitation films from this time man it feel it it actually has the feel of most of those films i think a lot of those films were yeah, shot no, low budget gorilla style so it kind of oh, fits yeah. in that mold I mean, like Dolomite, really, really which we've talked about on the podcast um yeah, i think yeah. i've talked about like coffee and and foxy brown which might even be a little higher budget than than this one but the the lower budget blackenstein which i recently watched they they all have this low budget feel yeah, for sure. We should have did Blackenstein with this as, with these two as well. That would have been fun to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always, um, one part in this film that always kind of makes me laugh is uh, <laughs> when Blackula runs into the cab driver. 
that cab she driver may. fucking reminds me of Smokey from Friday, but it's a female. <laughs> Every time I watch it, she's talking Yeah, dude, it's like so fucking funny. But I yeah. love Smokey. It's like one of my favorite characters. So of essentially, all time. what we have here, yeah, me too, man. We have a fucking love story. You know, it's very typical of you know a, yep, a vampire film films. to have. You know, Blackula or Dracula trying to find his love or something like that. So the storyline is very, very basic in this one. Um, I love, I love the mortician. He was my favorite character. I want to know how the fuck he lost his hand and why the fuck he has a hook as a hand. That's what I want to know. I don't think they ever, they don't tell you, do they? I know, but it's just funny. It just, it's just amusing. He's an amusing, stupid, your typical stupid character, but. Yeah, it's a very politically My- incorrect film. I mean, you just a lot of the dialogue that's used in this film, you just can't do. Today. Oh yeah, you can't go around like it's a lot just, of it's, faggots, a lot, lot of, of niggers, a lot of everything. Yeah, dude, they just start dropping all those. I mean, you just don't you just don't hear that type of dialogue nowadays because it's so sensitive, right? But yeah. Yeah, it's something of the times. That's why I like watching both these old films, man. You get shit and it's like PG that. too, which is even funnier, you know? <laughs> is it really yeah. Yeah. PG? PG, oh. yeah. Yeah, older guys was PG. One one thing in this film that I've always found to be quite interesting is um, is the simple fact that it's not necessarily the uh, the police that are doing a lot of the investigative uh, the investigation in, in this film. It's more or less the doctor, you know, yeah. who's doing the autopsies and stuff. He's he's noticed that these killings are odd. You wait, know, it, wait, this sounds exactly like Scream, Blackula Scream. Wait a minute. Oh wait, because it's the same fucking movie. Pretty much. Anyway, yeah. go on. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's just kind of interesting where it's the doctor doing what, and the lieutenant just kind of sits back and it's almost like he's giving the doctor orders. Okay, well, yeah, go and find out this, go and do that. And I'm like, where the fuck are the like the detectives, man? <laughs> like you don't see that in films very often, where the fucking you know someone else is doing all the investigating instead of the police when they're actually involved too. It's kind of a weird plot line to the film, but. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense, right? You know, the doctor has noticed all these weird killings and stuff. He might as well go and figure out that it's... He's, you know, like, the one that heading. It's animalistic. It's <laughs> He's, anim- like, doing all the research and shit. I know. It's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. Yeah, you just don't see that in films very often. It's weird. They could have just easily made him a detective. That's... I know. Like, if you were just half paying attention <laughs> to this film, you would totally like, think that the doctor was the police officer, right? <laughs> like, the way he's investigating. It's bizarre. Like, why can't he just be the uh, detective? Like... Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So, what do you guys want to rate this bad boy? Um, I come in at a seven out of ten. You know what? Appar- right. uh, apparently, I think that. What? Oh, go ahead. Good. Oh, okay. Uh, so I um I liked this movie a lot. Honestly, like it was it was really solid. It was it was entertaining. Um. The, the plot is paper thin. Like, it's as basic as you could possibly get. Like, you can pretty much write the entire plot in, like, three lines. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Luckily, it has good music, like Jeremy said. And um, it's just kind of fun. It's just kind of fun to see these uh, interpretations of Dracula in sort of the uh, black community and the, and the culture that, that it's set. It's kind of fun to see it play out in that culture. Um, it's not like Blackula in the hood or anything like that. It's, it's just like, you know, it's just a different, it's just different subculture, you know? Um, 
especially 70s which is like jive you know what i mean so uh yeah i, I liked it um i'm gonna come in at a 6.5 out of 10 phil on this one man it's it's not really an overly gory film or anything but blackula uh he does such a great job he's so fucking menacing so believable in this role i just i love the character man um william marshall just kills it man so damn good uh you know, there's a little bit of effects in the film that don't hold up. Like, there's a scene where he actually turns into a bat, and it's th- yeah. unintentionally funny because the yeah, effect but, is, is so. It, eh. it's, but at the same time, I you're thought like, that happens in Scream Blackula Scream. Yeah, it does. No, it happens to, in both of them. It, it, oh. there, there's an effect in both films. I uh, like the one in Blackula Scream. Scream Blackula Scream. I think I that can't one, remember the one. I think that one goes on for a little bit longer. I think they show the bat for a little bit longer. Or something. It's, so it comes off pretty funny, but. Um, but no, I, I love this man. I just love the fact that like he's just he's hardcore man. When he's fucking up the cops at the end of the film, it's like, yes, pretty <laughs> awesome shit. So so JP, I have a question for you. Um, yeah. Do you think that uh, the Blackula? Do you think in that scene? Um, do you think there was bad worm placement in that scene? <laughs> I can't remember. I should have paid attention to the worm placement. <laughs> I fucking first I forgot about it and I was like oh damn I got asked JP about that man <laughs> pretty awesome film or pretty awesome part um, but yeah man one of the one of the most outstanding things about this film is the soundtrack fucking awesome driven funk total black exploitation music absolutely amazing my rating isn't going to change on this one apparently I rated this one seven out of ten so that's what I have written down so that's what I'm going with so yeah all right let's get into wait a, what did JP give it six I gave it a six point five. Six and a half. Come on, man. Spacing out. Yes. All right. So, Scream Blackula Scream, the sequel from 1973, only a year later. One year later. Same year as Blackenstein. You know, it's it's kind of a shame that they didn't make a third one to this. Make it like a you know full trilogy Trilogy. kind of thing. I think it would have been pretty good, but I don't know. After this one, though, the ending is kind of. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, quick little synopsis. The vampire Manuald Blackula is stirred, <laughs> is stirred by African voodoo and forced to kill again. So, okay. My, okay. So spoiler alert, obviously we're spoiling these cause it's a direct sequel. Yes. The thing is like the ending of the first film, he basically commits suicide because he lost his love again. Yes, he can. Mm-hmm. So why the fuck doesn't he just do that like why is he down to be back now see now my theory on this is the setup to this film is basically this voodoo queen is dying and she she leaves her hair to which i think it or she doesn't give it to her son she gives it to i think her stepdaughter which is played by pam greer so this like infuriates this dude and he's like fucking pissed off he's like i'm older (laughs) i'm your daughter or i'm your son why the fuck you leaving it to her kind of thing uh so all in all Basically, what happens is uh, he wants revenge against his stepsister, I believe. So he goes into this other kind of voodoo priestess type deal, and he's got these bones of Blackula, and he's like, "Well, if you can resurrect him, you can get revenge this way." Blah. But blah, why blah. the fuck does this mofo has his bones? Well, maybe. I mean, it doesn't really have to be explained. I Just mean, like an occult thing, you know. But they were yeah, on the how, fucking. But he died but on the does, roof. Yeah, but how does any? weirdo person own any weirdo thing dude if you're you know into, I mean? if you're into that voodoo type shit you're probably going to go out and find some voodoo type shit so this guy has obtained some voodoo type shit um so that's what he does man this dude he resurrects blackula and uh 
instead of you know using Blackula as a slave, he ends up getting turned himself. See, my theory on this is that the reason why you know when when he gets resurrected, he doesn't just like kill himself again. It's because now he's fucking pissed off. He's fucking pissed off. He committed suicide in the first film, and he gets resurrected, obviously against his will, because he wants to stay dead. And that's kind of a driving force in this film, also. Because, you know, he essentially wants... I mean, he kind of changes his mind a little bit. He doesn't want to be... Uh, he doesn't want to be the undead in the film. So, hence, you know, Pam Greer's character, why he wants her to live in this film, because he wants to use her to basically exercise the devil out of him kind of thing, right? But... This is why he creates this whole force of vampires in this film, because he's fucking pissed off. He's like, well, if you're going to resurrect my ass, I'm going to make you my damn slave. And I'm just going to start fucking with everybody. I kind of like that idea of it a little bit. You know, it, it, I, I think towards the end of the film, in the third act and stuff, it kind of gets old to him. And he's like, fuck this. He's like, what the fuck am I doing? You can kind of <laughs> see, you can kinda see it. <laughs> <laughs> fucking a bug flew down my throat. <laughs> damn. Right in the throat. Right in the kisser. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was some voodoo type shit right there, man. I was about to throw up. <laughs> That's some voodoo type I shit, like, man. Inhaled a bug. Dude, take, like, take a drink. Take a drink. It sounded like you were dying. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, Jeremy? Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> it's just like, fuck JP. He's dying. Ooh, this is- oh my God. Ugh. It is. I'm sorry, guys. Go ahead. But right, like he's essentially fucking pissed off, and this is why he creates this army for whatever reasons. I mean, it doesn't. There doesn't have to technically be reason. He just wants to control people because now he's pissed off. Um, but that's kind of what it is. I mean, he could just yeah, he could kill himself, but he's like, why? I mean, he brought me back. I'm going to do some shit about this. So I kind of like that idea that he's he's pissed off in this film, and it's it shows in it shows in the film itself. You know, it's. Uh, it's, it's it's a little it's gory. A little, it's a little convenient, but I, I'm okay with that. It's it should have just gory. named it Blackula Resurrected. God damn it! It could have been the no. first resurrected yeah. movie. But I like that though, like Come because on, he man. comes what, up. Being what's vicious. the second resurrected movie, Jeremy? I don't know. Yeah, because nobody calls anything resurrected. It's resurrection. <laughs> oh fuck you! You know what I meant, you fucking homo. <laughs> uh, that's fucking hilarious, man. <clears throat> I'm so, sorry, bug eating boy. So what are you guys' thoughts on this one? Um, first of all, man, if you're going to have Pam Greer in your movie, like, can we get a nude scene at least? Which is PG. funny because this is actually after she did, uh, uh, I think she's done coffee before this one, and she showed her tits in that, so what the hell, I agree. She shows her tits in a bunch of stuff, doesn't she? Every movie. Every movie. <laughs> yeah, there's no yeah. Pam Greer titties in this film. I actually have the written. Pam Greer, one of the most beautiful uh, Nubian sisters, black actresses of all time, and and no boobs. <sighs> yeah, this is one of her probably rare roles in the well, especially in the seventies where she doesn't show her titties. Yeah, that's too bad, man. It's too bad. I'm saying, uh, Jeremy, I'm saying, fuck the PG. Let's go R. We got Pam Greer in our film. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you want to see some meat curtains? It's not my problem. Meat curtains? Isn't that vaginas? <laughs> Yeah, Jesus. You don't want to see Pam. It's you even more evident seen? that Jeremy's never seen actual meat curtains in his life. <laughs> just Jerry's, just Jerry's. Ooh, <laughs> low blowing, but low blowing. Um, yeah, I I love Pam Greer. I didn't even know she was in this, dude, until I watched the credits, and I was like, holy shit! Another <laughs> interesting thing. There's actually I don't know if you guys checked this out. There's an interview on the Blu-ray. Uh, the Scream Factory Blu-ray with um, one of the actors 
uh, Richard Lawson. And he tells a story of how he got this role. He basically auditioned for it, didn't get it, got a different part. The guy that got his part eventually uh, fell out and he got promoted. But he tells a story that where he was living, turns out that the landlord was actually the guy who directed the original Blackula. <laughs> how fucking bizarre is that? That's is so that weird. crazy or what? Just <laughs> by chance. Just uh, by ch- How does that even happen? That's such a weird thing. His that, landlord directed Blackula. That's so And apparently bizarre. we have a, uh, our um, friend in the 22 Shots group. Longtime listener. Yeah, he said his uh, great uncle directed this film. This is his well, great he directed uncle. Count Yorgula whatever i can't remember the name returns. isn't that the name Count yeah York, the returns or whatever yeah how cool is that yeah that's cool that's neat that i know that he mentioned that before mm-hmm. but i didn't that's really neat man i wish i i wish my uncle did something cool anything cool really <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh he did uh, both count Yorgis. okay and he did act of vengeance as well oh the rape revenge film 74 is it wait which one is that act of vengeance it's just a rape i think the alternate title is rape squad it's about a girl that gets raped and she goes to this uh uh one of those it, now is it is it attempted rape no is it it's rape. is it assumed rape or is it uh assisted rape? <laughs> no she, she gets raped and she she ends up going to the support group for you know raped women and stuff and they form this rape squad and basically what they do is they they go they're out, rape squad killers they go out revenge. <laughs> what does that have to do with blackula they go out in revenge but you know well the interesting thing about this film is that it actually the one of the rapists in this film or the main rapist actually wears like a jason mask it's so fucked up it's from like 74 it's crazy it's bizarre it's I know. Maybe they stole that shit from them. I don't know. <laughs> All right, getting back to screen black for the screen. One thing I like about this film is actually the story. Like, it's 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 a little more, it's a little more developed. You know, in this, I like you know, there's a police yeah. investigation and stuff. But I like the fact that you know th- they think that you know the the voodoo people are doing these killings and stuff. So it's it's kind of got like that type of angle going for it and stuff. At least it's a little more more developed than the first film. I like that though. You know, that's kind of cool. Apparently, it made one million at the box office too. It's the Blackula was the highest, one of the highest grossing films of the year. What? I'm serious. That's crazy. Both these films had theatrical releases. <laughs> Blackula was one of the most. Well, everything did back then. Where the hell is he going to release it? Yeah, I guess, man. I was thinking maybe like just kind of <laughs> showed it dry it or something. Yeah, I guess, right? <laughs> Fuck. This is so fucking far removed from getting... F- oh, yeah, it's, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going to fucking see it exactly? <laughs> Holy fucking brain farts. Jesus Christ, I'm fucking... I, I, I went full retard, too. Sorry. <laughs> so bad. Um... <laughs> But Roger yeah, no, Ebert gave this one mostly negative reception, giving it a 1.5 out of 4 stars. Oh, come on, man. This one's a lot more atmospheric than the first one. It's, it's got a better feel to it, too, man. I think there's some I pretty, agree with that. There's some pretty, I, agree. I think it's a better movie all around. Yeah, me, me too, man. And I, I think there's some pretty interesting... Like the musical sequences... <laughs> they they're feel awesome. Like they're, they feel like a little bit of filler in the film, but they're totally awesome to watch. They're awesome. Do you yeah. guys watch the actual dance sequences in there? They're oh yeah awesome man yeah i love those scenes man they're great they fit into the film perfectly man 
um, again, man, William Marshall just fucking kills the role. He's so much more. I think he's a little bit more menacing even in this film because it is vicious. He's pissed off, right? It's so you expect him to amp it up a little bit more, um, a little more more gory too. I think, but I just think the aesthetic of the film it feels a lot bigger. Uh, it's just in general, just, there's it, more it looks character in, arc and like um, yeah, depth character. to the character with him wanting to be saved and stuff like that, and yep. and a little bit more plot. Um, it's still not, you know, amazing well, in terms of the story. It's still pretty paper thin, but it's definitely a step up. There's two or three more things that are happening in this film. I mean, the first one's just so straightforward. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, I think that's one cool thing that they did do is they, they took a different angle with Blackula, him wanting to not be the way he was anymore. I think that's kind of, it's a little bit risky. You know, I, I was kind of thinking about it after and I was like, you know, that would be something that I would probably do maybe in the third one you know for him to come and you know try to come full circle and be human again kind of thing this but. dude's planning trilogies <laughs> well they They're obviously weren't like, planning we trilogies they obviously weren't one. planning trilogies because they did this in the <laughs> second film but i just kind of thought that that idea would work great for you know the third type film but it's still fun though i, I think it's a really fun film jeremy you want to chime in on this one i mean it's basically the first one i said that earlier i mean i don't know I mean, I'm kind of with Jeremy on. I don't. I don't have a ton to say about these movies, honestly. They're they're very what, basic. One more and fun. is to say they follow the same storyline. Blackula, he gets resurrected. He summons a whole bunch of other motherfuckers. The cops come. Vampires kill more. Well, cops. I mean, in, and then in, the ending happens. Theoretically, they're pretty de- pretty different. I mean, because the main focus in the first film is his love interest. In this one, it's more about getting human. There's no love interest really in this film. I mean, you may think that. Yeah, but it still follows like a similar arc though. I mean, there's not like it's not like a lot of deep stuff that you could talk about this one for a long time. I don't know what to say. I don't know, man. Pretty, them base licks are pretty damn deep. Pretty awesome it's pretty, stuff. It's it's, pre- it's pretty cutting <laughs> <laughs> it, it really uh, is like there's you can't have like we're not gonna have a raw conversation about this no but um yeah, i mean it's i, I don't have much more to you <laughs> not really not really All right, i have even uh, less than i usually have to say i'll rate this one first um i i liked both of these movies i like this one more um, actually, even though I had an issue with like the possible motives of of Blackula coming back and like how he didn't want to and stuff, I actually like how they did it. It's cool. It's neat, you know, the voodoo thing. And mm-hmm. and uh, I like Pam Greer, obviously. Um, I love Pam Greer. I really do. Like she's so cool to watch, and she's like she always elevates a project. Like she's in these like low budget, like um, you know, no money and and like no acting chop. You know, cast and she just is like she's like she's like a a lister in in you know a, a d list film. All that's how it feels. You know what I mean? So it's always awesome to see her. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and give this one a seven out of ten. Same rating as Blackula, seven out of ten. So apparently, it's the same so, movie. <clears throat> so apparently, uh, I also gave this one a seven before, but I'm gonna actually up my rating to seven point five. As I come to realization, I actually do like this one a little bit more. Um, I've said many times, like, love stories, not really my more favorite thing in the world, but I, I just like this one. It's a little more vicious, body count's a little bit higher. It feels like more of a full film, more atmospheric, a little bigger, aesthetic's awesome. So those things just kind of upped it half a point, 
<laughs> for me, but it's a fun ass film. It's a, it's a fun double feature to to check out. So if you people out there listening to this ever thought that these were going to be like comedic films, not going to be for you and stuff, give them a shot. They're fun. They're fun. I know somebody commented in the group like, I don't get that whole black exploitation <laughs> thing. <laughs> I just laughed. I was like, um, How could you not like black exploitation? I mean, I like I mean what is there to really get? It's just it's it's films that people made because there was an audience for them. Yeah. Um, people wanted to see their culture uh, in movies, and they wanted to see their visual flair and style, and their dialogue and stuff. And yeah. and for the and you know for the most part, these were made for uh, black people. And after years and years, like we see them as like this little interesting section of time and film, and they're fun. I, I've I've pretty much liked every black exploitation film that I've seen. I, I liked Dolomite. Um, I liked uh, Blackenstein. I, I like Blackenstein a little bit less than Blackula and Scream. Blackula Scream. Um, but the the Pam Greer movies like Foxy Brown and uh, um, Coffee. Oh, great! Co- especially Coffee. I love Coffee. And then even um, the Hammer. You know, like <laughs> the movies are sweet, dude. Mm-hmm. They're fun. I agree. Man. I like them. I don't know what there is that the like. I mean, there's not really anything to get. It's just a, it's just a type of movie, really. You know what I mean? Maybe he's just racist and he doesn't like black people. He's like, I don't get it. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm a big fan. Well, it's, it's I think not, it's maybe because it's, it's called black exploitation, and maybe people are like, oh, it's just exploiting blacks or something. You know what I mean? And that's really not what it is. It's exploiting the idea that. Uh, there's an audience for these type of movies and that audience is black people you know yeah, at the yeah. time now it's yeah. anybody you know what I mean but predominantly when these movies were in the theater it was black people going to see them so it's exploiting the idea that you're making movies for these people mm-hmm. it's not that they're exploiting black people it's just so I mean? funny man like the majority of these movies were directed by white people <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, a, a lot of them were, but <laughs> most of them. I mean, Jack like Hill Jack, did some of them. Jack Hill, Jack Hill, Hill did, did Foxy Brown and Coffee, and I mean, Larry Cohen yeah. started his career doing black exploitation films with Black Caesar, and like it's just kind so of. So yes, it is whites explain blacks. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> pretty I'm much. Joking, joking. Man, this is gonna put a man, but I mean, Jack Hill also did the Big Dollhouse. That's pretty cool. So, but yeah, yeah, um, which also had Jack Pam Hill's Greer awesome. in it, which also had Pam Greer in it, and was produced by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Roger Corman, of course. Yeah, good stuff. Machete Maidens, man. Machete Maidens. Machete Maidens, man. That's a fucking great documentary. I love that shit, man. So, so is um, the one on black exploitation. What's it called? Uh, uh, what is it called? Come on, come on, come on, come on. The black exploitation one, which is called. I reviewed it on here. Are you sure? I'm trying to. Yeah, think. I'm. I'm a hundred percent sure. I'm a hundred percent sure. Oh, is there a full no documentary about black exploitation films? Or am I just yeah, like, dude. am I just tired and I can't fucking remember? I probably have it sitting right beside me. Right it's now. like a long ass title. Shit. I don't know. I feel stupid right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a fun subgenre, man. I think we should maybe do some more <laughs> down the road or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, black exploitation. Yeah, man. Black exploitation. We can find some more black exploitation horror. I mean, is there is I mean, is, is there a lot? I don't think there's that much horror though, right? I mean, I could. Oh, probably... it's called badass. Cinema. Oh, badass. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah, that's, yeah, it. that's the uh, one. That's the, the one. 
the something story of black exploitation or something. That's awesome. Yeah. Does it- yeah. Okay. A bold look at black exploitation films. Pam Grier is on the cover. Oh, I kept wanting to say it was Fred Williamson because he's like in every black exploitation film too. Yeah, yeah, he's in it. Isaac Hayes, uh, yeah. Quentin Tarantino, who's obviously a big fan. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's awesome. But yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know how many more horror. I, I don't know. I just know Blackenstein. It's, you, you know, know actually speaking of Quentin, speaking of Quentin Tarantino, something I actually forgot to mention. Uh, earlier when I was doing the Werewolf Woman uh, review. Um, you know, Quentin Tarantino does like a film festival down in, I think it's Austin, Texas, like every year. And the very first year that he did his uh, his film festival, he kind of had like, uh, he wanted to show this film called Werewolf Woman and he'd never seen it before. And so he ended up loving the film so much that he ended up actually, uh, when he did his second year and third year and stuff like that, he um, he actually ended up naming... Uh, like the the hidden film, like the werewolf woman type film, like every year, like after that one. So I thought that was actually pretty damn cool, man. Fucking pretty pretty shit. Wait, what's the actual name of Tarantino's film festival? Do you know, Jeremy? No, I didn't even know he had a festival. Okay, because I know he's done it like lots of times down in Austin or whatever. Um, so basically, the surprise film every year was dubbed the Wolf Woman film. So that's pretty cool, and it's actually so. If you guys are familiar with the film festival. It's because of Werewolf Woman. He loved it so much. But I, I thought that was very interesting in the very first one. He would show a film that he'd never seen before. What happens if he fucking hated it? That would have been bizarre. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's this film festival, right? I mean, Tarantino showing shitty-ass films. Fucking, that's just strange to me. But, yeah. I forgot to mention that. I thought that was a pretty interesting factoid about Tarantino and Werewolf Woman. Give you more reason to check it out, right? It's, it's uh, Tarantino's approved. Stamp approved, so... But yeah, we're blabbling on here. Let's get the fuck out of here, guys. Uh, thank you for tuning in to episode 107 here on the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast, Black Exploitation Volume 1. I'm going to dub it because maybe we will do. Actually, technically, this is kind of almost Volume 2 a little bit. We did Dolomite one time. Eh, it wasn't like a feature. It wasn't thing. a feature, but, kinda... but it was it was out of sorts to do that anyways. But it was mm-hmm. fun to do. It was fun to do. So, um, But yeah. Anything else to add before Jeremy takes us out of here? I'm Please help get the sand out of my vagina. I'm starving, man. I really need to order a pizza, man. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm really, really hungry. I'm gonna and, and where can they do that, Jeremy? I'll get to that in a second. After I do my roller ritual, I'll have it in there. Don't worry, ritual? JP. What the hell is a ritual? Don't you think you should put it first? Sure. If you want to follow our Patreon. properly. And support us support. and the show, please do so at patreon.com slash 22 shots podcast. Patreon.com slash 22 shots podcast. And please, please, please don't make me watch a shitty film. It's much appreciated, but I'll love you anyway. <laughs> so, as always, if you want to follow the man Moods himself, you could do so at youtube.com slash mood 616. If you want to follow the asshole who still shouldn't have gotten that box set, you could do so at youtube.com slash double shot J. And please make sure he doesn't get the puppet master one when it comes out. And as always, you can follow me on my channel at youtube.com slash NES ruler 22. And as always, if you have any questions, you can leave us a voicemail at 724 426 6665. And always, you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash 22 shots podcast. And if you have any questions, you can send us an email at 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com. That's 22 shots of moods, and horror.com. And as always, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash 22 shots podcast. And as always, check out our website, 22 shots, moods and horror.com and follow us on horror pack and get a horror pack 
and help us support the show even more. Horrorpack.com slash go slash 22 shots. That should do it for episode 107 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast. Next week, we'll be coming back with a trilogy of films that I picked because I've never even heard of them and I really want to do them. And that is the MTV trilogy of my super cycle suite 16. And this show is going to be fun. I have no idea what the hell these movies are about and anything that has to do with MTV and MTV slashers. Yeah, I I really want to check these out. So stay tuned for next week's episode of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast. And it's always fuck you, Jerry, for killing Martin Landau and George Romero. And that should be it. (laughs) Thank you. And so after this happens, they start to notice that people are acting very, very strange outside and things like that. And as time goes on, of course, it says she's coming in at 1015. She leaves. She leaves New York. She leaves New York at 830. It says. The fuck was that? Jesus Christ, Jeremy. What? What? I'm so confused. What happened? Yeah, Jeremy. Okay. Because he doesn't have his fucking mic muted. Oh, what the fuck, Jeremy? So he's sitting Sorry, there talking. Sorry, it's my boss. I have oh. to pick it up. It's my fucking boss. Yeah, but dude, you can... So mute the mic! Mute I the... forgot! I thought I pressed the button. What is I'm this, sorry. episode five? I'm dude, sorry. Dude. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was my bad. I'll take full fuck up for that. I, I apologize. Fucking amateur over here. Oh I my apologize. lord. That was like blatant. I apologize. I, like, I thought he stopped you to tell you something about the review. <laughs> no, he was like talking. I knew that he was talking to someone. All right. Well, do you want to just cut that and restart the whole review? Yes, please. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. I, I wrote down the cut point here. I'll just add uh, another fucking edit mark. Yeah, I'll just. Jesus Christ, Jeremy. <laughs> make sure you fucking. Make sure your fucking thing is blinking. I'm sorry. When you press it. I usually am. When I'm not blinking, I'm fucking on the phone, but I'm always fucking blinking all the other times. <laughs> all That's right. my fuck. All right. All right.